Hey guys, welcome back to the What's Next podcast, brought to you right here from Live Well Massage Studios. Coming to you right here from the beach right here in Monterey, California. Beautiful. Um, pretty excited to have this next guest here. I've been trying to get this guy on for months and months. He's a traveling <laughs> crazy man. Mr. John Prater. Uh, he was born in uh, San Francisco. Got a couple of sisters. I know his parents more than I know him, actually. <laughs> awesome parents. Um Back in high school, looks like you set some serious records in track. You went uh, um, set records for pole vaulting and the 110 meter hurdles. Yeah, you've been obviously talking to my parents. <laughs> uh, I looked you up on the internet, man. It just goes on and on. Uh, it looked like you cleared 17-2, winning the Big West Conference. Must be in 09. That's when you graduated, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those were some of my college ones. Oh, um, were some of the. Yeah, so like uh, in in high school, I I broke like Monterey County records, the Slains High School records, and then some of the like Central Coast records uh, for the high school sports leagues, and then I went to college in uh, down south in San Luis Obispo at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and then when I was there, um, I my first two years of going to college, I struggled a little bit in my athletic career. I still improved from what I w- was doing in high school. Uh, but it wasn't really until my junior and senior year that I really started to improve. Uh, and then so I ended up winning the uh, Big West titles two years in a row, my junior and senior year, broke the school record. My senior year was an All-American, did like went to nationals, uh, went to all the regional meets and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah. NCAA, West yes. Regional. Yes. In long jump also. You're uh, all over the board, man. I don't think I, I, don't think I was... Not for regionals for long jump. I did well in long jump, but I didn't go to regionals for that. I I really specifically focused on the pole vault when I went to college. That's what I got a scholarship for. I see. Um, But I saw times on, like, uh, what was it, the uh, 100-meter relay? uh, Yeah, so, like, uh, for track and field, you may have seen those on, like, IAAF.org, which is, like, the international governing body. But they'll basically... If you have a profile there, they'll just put anything and everything that you've ever done, regardless if it's a good or it's not good. Right. So, like, you know, I, I, I have no – I'm not good at the 100 meter. I was not good at long jump. I was good in terms of, like, I was okay at them. Sure. But uh, pole vault was definitely the the best event that I, I participated yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That's what your mom's so proud of. She's not talking about your pole vault and yeah, all that. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, and then uh, traveling, and it uh, looked like you majored in agricultural systems and management at Cal Poly? Correct, yeah. When I went to, I pretty much went to Cal Poly, and I, I didn't really think about education too much. I yeah. really just wanted to pole vault and, and play sports. Right. Uh, I got a scholarship to go there, and a lot of my friends went there as well. Um, but yeah, I, I realized because I was from Salinas, yeah. a big agricultural town. Sure, sure. And at the same time, my father had started a winery. I thought to myself, okay, like when I'm done with college, I'm done with track, like I'll probably end up back here in Salinas one way, shape or form or another. Uh, so I probably should know a little bit about agriculture. Sure. So then I went that route at Cal Poly, which is also there, a big agricultural school as well. Yeah. It's funny. I was looking through uh, the internet and I, f- I found this one. Um, the guy saying in 2019, he was so happy that he beat John Prater's. No, no. He tied your record. He may have, yes. He tied it. He I, didn't beat it. I think there tied was some... It. He was so excited. I, yeah, so there was... My coach, Jesus Santos, um, he would coach... He became like the guy to go to around here yeah. in, in Monterey County when somebody had like somebody that was really showing a lot of promise. 
And so he started assisting the coach that was coaching that guy. And I would get calls every, every couple of weeks, just like, Hey, you know, this, and like, what are you thinking about this? And what, what are you doing for your training stuff? And I was like, okay, like I can give you my stuff, but remember Santos, like we had a completely different type of training philosophy when I was in high school to where I'm at to, you know, where I was at when I was 27, 28, sure, right, right. It, you just, your body's different, your mentality's different, your technique's different and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I, there was, there was, I think there was two kids that ended up getting really close. One kid, I think, like you said, tied it. Uh, and then there was another kid, I think that actually was probably going to beat it, but then COVID had came in and unfortunately it shut down all of his oh. track season. Oh, no. Um, and I was, uh, I mean, looking back at it, you know, there's two sides of me. There's sure, one sure. side of it that's, I'm just like, shoot, like I wish I could seen, I could have seen how well that could jump. But then there's the right. other piece of me that's just like, I'm, I'm very glad that he right, didn't right, take that record right. from me. <laughs> well, 2000, 2009 to 19, that's 10 years old that. Yeah, no, it was, it was definitely. still going. Yeah, exactly. Right. So who knows how long it'll stick around. Um, and that was a yeah. Salinas High School. That I, so, I, that was the Monterey County record. Oh, that I was believe. the county. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I know a couple of them are definitely enshrined, like leagues have changed. So sure. there's, there's, you know, that one's, that one's cemented into the history books and stuff like that. But the county record, that one's, uh, that's the one that's up for, for grabs. Right so, on. Right. So, yeah. Get your name up in lights. Exactly. <laughs> so what have you been doing? You just traveling around. I talked to your mom. She says you're over in Europe. You're over in, I hear you're in Texas. You're over in yeah. checking out all the, the uh, I mean, it's, national parks. What's it's going, it's definitely, it's definitely a different lifestyle and it's probably like a really, it's like a, it's all like a longer conversation. Um, so the long story short is, for 15 years, I competed in track and field. Sure. That's from when I was 14 years old until basically I was 30 years old. I competed in track and field. I probably should have stopped earlier than 30, but <laughs> right. it's one of those things where you just your mind is like, I can still do this, but sure, your body's right, like, hey, right. let's stop this shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in doing that, I had moved to Arizona after I came out of college, and I went to this tri- private training facility. Um, and while I was there in, in track and field, what people most people don't know, I don't think, is that track and field is not a every, you know, every four year Olympic sport. People just think that it is because the Olympics are every four years, but things are happening every single year. And so you're going to track meets, you're going to qualifiers, you're going to world championships, you're going to international challenges, you're doing all these different types of events. And that costs money. And it's not like all these other large NFLs, MLB, uh, NBA, where you've got either an organized body that is making billions of dollars uh, or where you have these big sponsorship deals, track and field is a very passion driven sport. So people are, you know, they're doing GoFundMes, they're working as valets, they're working in restaurants, they're doing anything and everything they can. Bartending, whatever. Bartending, whatever they can do so that they can compete in this sport. Right. Um, And pay for it. And pay for it. Sounds expensive. Exactly. I mean, yeah, depending on which aspect you're, you know, in the pole vault's very expensive. Uh, and then other sports in it, it's just literally like, hey, if you've got to get on a flight and fly to Texas from Arizona or Florida from Arizona or wherever, that's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks. Right. Then you got to stay at the hotel and you got to pay the meat entry fees. Um, so basically the entire year while you're in track and field, you're basically working up to hitting qualifiers to be able to go to the national meet uh. or to going you know, and, and being able to represent your country, whichever right. that ends up being, in these different world challenge meets. Um, so... For me, I didn't want to, it's kind of, it was a depressing story. I, I went to Costco to get a job and they basically declined me. They're like, sorry, your schedule doesn't work for us. And I was all depressed. And I was just like, what the hell? I couldn't even get a fucking job at Costco. Uh, but that kind of led me in this different direction where I ended up uh, applying 
to a few different investment companies out in Arizona because I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? If I can't get a fucking job at Costco like, and get paid to do this kind of stuff, I can afford to – I had a couple different sponsors at the time. I was like, you know what? I can afford to like go and learn something, a, a skill, get some skills under my – uh, under my on my resume, so that when I'm done with track and field, I've got somewhere to go. Because I also saw that a lot of guys, after they're done with sports, they're a little bit lost, which is a whole other kind of funny, complex thing that we can kind of get into. Yeah, right. Um, but a lot of them just don't know what to do because for so many years of their life, their identity is tied up in sports. With the horse blinders on, exactly. You're focused in on ex- Olympics thing. or whatever you're one shooting thing, for. Right? right? You have like all this ambition and dedication and focus and concentration into one goal. And um, and then once that goal is gone, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit. What's like, next? What's What am I supposed to do right. next, right? Uh, so anyways, I ended up working at this private equity company because I had the ag degree and I had a good background in engineering as well. I got a job at this private equity fund that we would go out and we would buy uh, land and we would develop it into farmland. And then we'd take that farmland and we would be owner operators on it or we would sell it to a bigger institution, a pension fund, a foreign national body, uh, hedge funds, you name it, something, somebody bigger than us. Um, in that process, I was just an engineer in the very beginning for about a year and a half, but then the my direct boss, he was the acquisition and development guy. And so because I would work with him on the engineering stuff, one day I saw him doing all the acquisition stuff and my family, my father and his father and his father's father, you know, it, everybody on my dad's side had been in real estate their entire life. Really? Um and so I was like looking at how he was doing everything, and I thought to myself, I was like, "This guy's doing it wrong." Like, oh really? You're not doing it correctly. Like, you can <laughs> find this information in a, in a much different manner. <laughs> and I remember him just like looking up at me and being like, "You know how to do this? Like, you know a better way to do this?" And he, you know, he he's at the point in his career where he's like, "I don't want to deal with this shit. This is tedious. This is annoying. I don't want to go to the county. I don't want to do this and that." So here here's me, 25 years old, and I'm just right. like. I'll do it, dude. You know. So he wasn't like ah, oh, whippersnapper. It, no, exactly. He was just like, come on in. He was like, you know what? If you want to handle it, you can handle ah, it. You know. Right. Um, <laughs> and I didn't have a ton of experience in sure. that. Right. That was my first real job, yeah. probably. And uh, anyways, but I was like, you know what? I, I'll figure it out. I know I'm going to figure it out. Right. One way or another, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so anyways, all of a sudden, I started being like doing all the back end acquisitions, and then a really big opportunity came up where they were like, hey, if you want to be point on this basically a 10,000 acre acquisition project that we're working on. Um, it's yours. And I sat there and I was like, holy shit, this is, this is a break, you know? Serious. And I was 25 years old at the time. And they, you know, they put this bonus contract in front of me and they're like, Hey, if we can do X, Y, and Z, this is how much money you're going to make. And at that time, you know, it was as a 25 year old, it ended up being a bonus contract of like $130,000. And I was like, that's a lot of fucking money. Yeah, right. And I mean, it still is a lot of money. Sure, sure, right. um, but anyway, so at the time, I'd be training in the mornings from like 7 a.m. to 12 in the afternoon, and then I would go into work. And I had some good mentors while I was there, and one of them has become a really good friend even today. But I, I, I learned all these really interesting things from these guys that were living this much, much different life. Mm. And I was like, huh, this is more interesting than kind of... Different being what? Meaning what? Different in terms of like the hedge, the, the head guy at the fund. When I was 25, it was really cool. He had like seven Ferraris. Right, right. Okay. And I'm like, hold on. How's this guy get seven Ferraris? How did this happen? Right. And then one of the other guys, you know, they, a couple of them had built billion dollar hedge funds. And I'm like, how does that happen? How do you manage a billion dollars? It just doesn't make any sense to wow. me. 
And so like I would be sitting there and these different investors who were investing into the fund would come in, they would sit down and everyone would talk about their stories. So one guy would say like, I only invest my money unless I can get 10X on it. Sure. And I'm like, hold on, how the fuck do you get 10X right. on your like? And you're, we're not talking about like, oh, I bought some Bitcoin at that point. It's like, oh no, I bought the, the land behind the Hollywood sign and then we litigated the shit out of the county. Oh, no kidding. And we forced, I mean, we forced them to basically you know, take us out before we ruined the Hollywood sign. So like right. weird stuff, you know, very, yeah, very, right. very weird, odd things. Sure. Um, so anyways, I would just absorb all these conversations that these guys were having. And I was yeah. just a little fly on the wall, just being like, where the fuck did I end up? And yeah, who are yeah. these people? How are they doing this kind of stuff? Um, so anyways, kind of coming full circle, I realized after being two years there, I had completed the 10,000 acre acquisition. And I was at this point 27 years old. And I was like, okay. I still have this dream of being an Olympian and I want to see that out. Still young enough. I'm still young enough sure. to do it. But simultaneously, I'm realizing if I want to be these guys, I can't be an employee. I have to have my own, I have to start my own business. Right. And they had all talked about, you know, when they were employees and then making the jump, as they would call it. Um, they all were like, yeah, like most people will fail. But at the end of the day, like, you've got to try. So at 27, I realized I was like, shit, it's either now or never. And so I jumped with the idea of, okay, I'm just going to do two years of just doing track and field, close out that chapter of my life, and then I'm going to start. Start a hedge fund. Start, start, a, hedge, start a hedge fund, start an investment company, do yeah. so, start some type of business and in real estate. And I, I had, had right. a couple ideas at that time. But anyways, I went for, on, for nine months, uh, myself and my girlfriend at the time, we basically were just like, fuck it, let's go travel. So we were traveling around and I got absolutely depressed. Really? Because it, I, I just felt, when I, when I look back at it, I realized, I'm like, oh, I went from this really high, it was high stress. Sure. Uh, but like massive growing pains to figure out how to assemble this 10,000 acres from all these different landowners and piece it all together. And like, there's a bunch of backstory of like, had to go to like junkyards to negotiate with people and had to freaking fly to, you know, Texas to negotiate with people, find people through like different manners, like private investigators to track these different heirs of families down to all of a sudden doing nothing. Wow. And so like, I just go from this like very stimulated right. two years of my life to doing nothing. Just like I'm on the beach in the Bahamas, like, oh, this is nice, but like my phone's not ringing. I don't feel like I'm providing any value to anybody, to yeah. the world. Nobody needs right. me. And I just didn't feel good about it. I just needed to be doing something. Um, so then like nine months after I left that firm, I was like, you know what? I had, I've got this idea and I need to start working on it now, not You went back years. to them and said that? No, no, I, no. I, for myself. Cause you just, oh, okay. So the first business was basically just a real estate brokerage because what I realized was, all of these people that I would, I would, for example, in assembling that 10,000 acres, I would find the owner through a variety of different methods. Once I found that owner, most cases we would just, him and me discuss, or her and me discuss, hey, I wanna buy this for X amount. Do you agree? Do we not agree? Here's the date of closing. Sign off, we're done. 50% of those people, they would sit there and say, okay, um, I want somebody on my team to review this, whether that's an attorney or most of them would just go get a real estate agent, right? So I would sit there and I would then, the real estate agent would come in and he would be like, okay, let me look at the contract. And He didn't give a shit. Really? He just saw, okay, let's see, you're buying this for a million dollars. I really have no idea how much this land is, is worth, right. but a million bucks and I'm taking a 10% rip of this, so I'm gonna make a hundred grand. 
okay, yeah, this looks good. And he'd slide, the t- you know, slide it over to the seller. They, sign they sign it. And I was like, this motherfucker just made right, 100 grand. Right. He didn't do anything. I just did all that work. He didn't even did, read the whole contract. He didn't read it. He didn't do anything. <laughs> and, and it wasn't just one broker. It was like seven different brokers in right. varying different amounts, right? This yeah. guy just made 10 grand. He made 20 grand. He made 30 right. grand. He made, and I'm sitting there like, I did all the work. Right. And that guy just made how much money? Like maybe I could do his job also and do it ethically. Yes, exactly. Right. And so feel like you earned it. And one hundred percent. And so originally, our my idea that I pitched to the guys that I was working with, I was like, wait a minute, we should we should have a real estate brokerage office. Office, sure. And at least we take half of the fee. Mm-hmm. So may, he's doing getting his fee, but we're getting half that fee because we're representing the, the other side of the the buy side. Right. Um, that ended up being a difficult situation because then we have like conflict of interest because we have investors on one side and a bunch of other stuff. So it, right. it kind of turned into a lot of uh, issues that, that weren't necessarily worth kind of going through the, the troubles. See, right. So when I left, I was like, oh, wait, I should just be brokering properties. I don't even need. I don't even them. need these guys right. because if I'm gone from them and I just do this and I just focus off land and that's what I realized. I realized all these brokers didn't understand land. Right. They would just look at it. And then it'd be like, yeah, it looks good. And from your family, you knew land. Not that I knew land. I, I figured estate. out, I just understood real estate okay. more. Now I realize how much I didn't know sure, sure. then. Right. But at the time, you know, as a 25. tell you make it. Exactly. At 25, <laughs> I was like, I fucking understand it. I got it. it. You know, I, got I, got it. This. I got this. <laughs> so I started this brokerage and I initially would, I paid a broker to rent his license because I didn't want to go to another brokerage house where you've got, a team lead and he's the rainmaker and he gives you a lead and you pay him. He gets 50% of the commission. You get 50% of the commission. You did all the work. Right. So instead I was like, okay, like I'll hire a broker. I'll pay him seven fifty a month. And then I literally, that's all he gets. If I close a deal for a hundred thousand bucks, I'm going to get nine hundred, nine thousand, nine hundred. Oh, sorry. 99,250 bucks. He got a seven fifty for the month. Kind of right, a thing. Right. Um, if I make 10,000 bucks, he's still only getting the fixed amount. Yeah. Um, if you make nothing, if I make he's nothing, still money. he's still going to make money, right? right. Regardless. He, he is. It's not a terrible way. He doesn't want to do anything but collect a check, you know? Um, so anyways, <laughs> I, I did that. And I, what I realized very quickly was that at the time, and this is like 2017, nobody was in land at really? all. Because once again, either A, if I was a real estate agent, I would be thinking to myself, I can sell a house and make $4,000. And if I sell one a month, I've made a decent amount of money to live in Arizona. So I realized nobody's helping sell this land. And so like I sent out this marketing, uh, very like targeted marketing to, I got a list that had everybody in a specific county in Arizona who had owned the property for over 20 years that lived out of state. Mm. My thinking was you've owned it for over 20 years, you live out of state, you don't give a shit about this thing. Right. You are emotionally detached. Yeah. You, all you see every single year is your property tax bill. The tax bill. You see the tax which bill. Which is a negative. Which is a negative. And so at that point, I sent those out and I got this massive response. And so like as a listing agent, that's what I realized in the brokerage world. It's all about being a listing agent because every listing is like an asset. And once you control the asset, you get paid no matter what, what happens. Mm. And that's what I was realizing all these land brokers were doing. Right. They were amassing listings and then they were just sitting. Just sitting there waiting for, for little people to sell them off. And they're just... Wait, exactly. Waiting for the buyer broker to come in and say like, this is a piece of land. Right. Buy it for the long term. Blah, blah, blah. So anyways, I ended up amassing like 80 listings very, very quick. Holy cow. Like within 60 days. What? 
And so I was like sitting there being like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, yeah, what would you wish for? Exactly. And it was one of those <laughs> things I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm like calculating, actually on a spreadsheet, I was calculating like, holy shit, I now have in, or, you know, future income if these are closed commission values of $200,000, right? right? So you're just going from being a salaried employee to all of a sudden being like, whoa, wait, if I get more listings, that's more opportunities to make money, so on and so forth. The one thing that I didn't know at the time was how long did it typically take a piece of land to sell back in 2017, which ended up being about nine months. Yeah. So by the first, when I first got the listings, I was all excited. Sure. But then I went through this period of like, nothing's fucking selling. Right. You know, you get a couple offers right. here and there for some sure, tire sure. kickers and stuff like that. Uh, and then you get a couple of checks in that are going to pay your bill for the month. But at the end of the day, I'm like sitting there and like nine months is coming. I'm probably like month seven and I'm like, this isn't working. Like, right. I've got all these listings, but I've got no freaking sales. The sky's falling. The sky's falling, right. right. And I'm still, you know, spending money on marketing and a bunch of other stuff. And I'm at the point where I'm literally like, oh, I think I've got to, f- this isn't working. You know? Right, right, sure. Um, but then all of a sudden it started to pick up. And then at night, like literally at nine months, and then when I look back and I look at the information of the market, I'm like, oh, the absorption, like literally it says average days on market is typically right around nine months right. at that time. And I was like, oh, I could have just understood that, but that sure. wasn't something I understood at the time. So anyways, then I went through a period of like four months where everything was incredible. And then I got into a situation where my previous, the, the fund that I had worked at before was hearing all this chatter about holy shit, have you seen what John's doing? <laughs> and this was a good lesson for me at the end of the day. It ended up, I, I lost money off of this, but ultimately I got into a new business, a new brokerage business with my old partners because we had some different, they had some ideas and they were doing some different things. They were buying like $300 million worth of property in California. Right, this right, is why right. I ended up figuring out about the conflicts of interest. Sure. Long story short, it got to a point where we recombined ourselves. I was the only operating partner and I had like five kind of very passive partners Mm. that their end of the bargain never ended up working out because we couldn't figure out how to get the commissions from their side into the business without conflicts of interest and a bunch of clawbacks from their investors. I see. So the whole thing while I was doing the brokerage, it was exciting, but I was working a ton. Yeah, sure. It's like, if you're in real estate brokerage or if you've ever done it, you realize you're on call 24-7, 365, Saturdays, Sundays, right. every every minute of the day. Yeah. And when somebody asks you for something, they want it now. Sure. Um, so I was just getting like really worn out. And I was like, you know what? Like this was exciting in the beginning, but I'm just getting to the point that I'm like, I'm actually not in control of my income still. Yeah. And I need to be in control of my income. And like, and if I want to be going places. I want to be able to relax when I'm going there instead of being like, oh shit, I got to send that something to this person or something to this person. Right. I need to follow up with this person. There's no way to clear your mind. There's no way to clear your There's mind. There's no way. You're it's always holding. Constantly. You're always holding something, <laughs> right, right? Right. And then so the final straw was there was this deal that I was working on for six months, and it was a huge deal. The sale price was forty-two million dollars. I was going to make four hundred grand if it if it sold. We had the seller's signature on the mark. Right, and this is also huge from a standpoint of this is the biggest deal that I've ever oh, put of together. Course. Right, and I'm like, right. I'm 20, shaking in your space boots. I'm 28 <laughs> years old, and I'm like, I'm about to make 400 grand right. off this fucking closing. Right, Are you right. serious? And I'm like, we've been working on six months for this thing. So, anyways, sellers signed. I send it over to the buyer, and the buyer says, "Hey, we made a mistake." And I was like, "What do you mean you made a mistake?" And they're like, "We." didn't realize that the power line going through the property that we're going to use, we were selling it to a solar company. 
was owned by a federal agency, <laughs> not a private entity. And I said, we literally told you that the first day, the first phone call oh, we had. no. And they're like, no, we do remember that. But the person that wrote the notes down, it was an oversight. Oh, and so they continued all the oversight, bro. Massive, massive Holy oversight. Shit. Like we had just spent six months and then right. the family that owned this property is one of like the wealthiest families in Arizona. So here I am thinking like, this is my big break. Oh, exactly. Like this big wealthy family, they don't only own stuff in Arizona, but Idaho and Texas. They were, they were the buyers or they were the they sellers? They were the sellers. Right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But it's also the fact that if, if you do one good deal with a family like that, right. everybody else That's now trusts saying. you. Right. And so and I had gotten Oh, list- everybody else too. Everybody else. Right. And so I had gotten other listings based off of I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm listing the Legacy Ranch. Yeah, yeah. That's me." Sure. And we have it under contract. And we have it under contract for don't tell anybody, but 42 million dollars, you right. know? And so it was one of those things where all of a sudden they they're like, "We have we can't continue because it'll take us 3 years to get through the permitting of this of this electrical line." Oh my god. And so right there, I'm like I just spent be kidding me. six months of my life right. doing work that I'm right. never going to get paid for. Right. This is awful. And that's a huge payroll that you were waiting to. Yes. You know, massive. Kind of. Absolutely massive. Didn't have it spent, but maybe a little bit of it. I, no, I didn't have any of it spent. <laughs> no, I mean, no. I've, I've always, I've always definitely been like. You wait uh, till it gets there. Exactly. But, ex- but you kind of had in your mind. In like, my mind, I was thinking of my. I knew exactly. I knew exactly what I was going to be doing. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Spent wise, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at that point, I realized, I was like, you know what? I've got to figure something else out that gives me more freedom, that gives me more autonomy, that I'm more in control. Because mm. the other piece of it was there were other deals closing at the time. But let's say we would get an offer. Let's say a property was worth $50,000. Yeah. Let's say we got an offer for 48000 I would give that, give that to the seller, and the seller would be like, let's counter for fifty. No, let's just sell it. Right, no. It's $2,000. <laughs> Like you own this. What are you, for, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you giving up forty eight thousand for two thousand oh. dollars? And what if they say no? And, and exactly, what if they say no? You're right? Blow this whole deal for two grand. For two grand. It's and a, it, it's a, oh. And it was it was it was it was it was the fact that sometimes it would be inconsequential amounts of money two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, you're kidding. Five hundred dollars, right? And you'd be sitting there and you'd be like, look, I have done this hundreds of times. <laughs> your first offer is typically going to be your best offer if it's within. 10% of the list price, we should take it. Right. Because if we look at market statistics, the average sale to list ratio is 90%. And so I'd be like, don't think that the price we're listing for is the price we're going to get. Think of it as a range, right? If we're listing for 100,000, right. we're looking for a 90 to 100,000, and that's our sell box. Right. If you but, need the hundred, let's list it for one ten. Right, exactly. But at the same time, these, you know, most of these people but then they, they'll go. What, they'll be like, "Well, let's go for one hundred and fifty. Oh, no. But you're like, if you want to do one hundred and fifty, then we're going to be here right, four right. years from now. You know. <laughs> so it was like I realized that there's a lot of psychology involved in it, yeah. and there's all these different factors that play into these people, especially if if you're a person that's owned something for whatever twenty years, and it's one thing that you have you are holding on really tight and sometimes you get the abil- the thought in your head that it's worth more than it really is. Um, with everything. With everything. Yeah, right. With everything, exactly. right? And it means the, more to you than it does anybody else. To everybody else. else, right? You have somebody that's just like, oh, well, and like, there's some really cool things like the, the rocks on this property look really nice and you're like, man, that's dirt. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, but that is, that's dirt. It's beautiful dirt though. It's beautiful <laughs> dirt though, right? <laughs> this dirt is the best looking dirt I've ever seen. So from that stand, from that position um or from that place i sat there and i thought i started to think again i was like 
there's got to be something that I can do that I have way more control that I can make more money at and that can be a better use of my time. And at the time living in Phoenix, I was looking around the real estate market like, okay, what is everybody else doing? Like, what do I see? What are opportunities and so on and so forth? And there's this thing called an iBuyer and an iBuyer back in 2018, 2019, actually it was like 2019 when it was really the rise of the iBuyer was in Arizona, let's say the house was worth $300,000. And the average time on market in Arizona was at that time, four to five months. You'd put your house on the, on the market and you'd be waiting and waiting and waiting. And then hopefully you get a contract. And once you get the contract, you sell it and you buy your new house. The iBuyer came in and said, okay, your house is worth $300,000. Instead of you waiting on the market, we're going to pay you $275,000 and you can choose when you move out. But we own it as soon as we close and we'll close it within 14 days. Mm. And so a lot of people were like, huh, my house is appreciated by hundreds of thousands. You know, I want to move. Uh, yeah, this is a great deal. I don't want to wait for the market to get to where my prices are. I just want to take the bird in the hand and not the two in the bush. Even at the 5% Even, off, they're still right. have made tons more money than what they invested, sure. Exactly. Uh, and in a lot of the cases, it was just people that were like, oh, I'm tired of living in Arizona. I want to move to Texas. I want to move to Florida. I want to move uh, somewhere else, right? right? And so when I looked at that model, I thought to myself, I was like, nobody's doing that in land. Huh. What if I just offered my clients money at big discounts instead of selling? Because it took nine months to sell a piece of land. And most of the people were like, I don't care. I live out of state. Right. Oh, well, right. Yeah. Sometimes it was inconsequential amounts of money to them, right? It's like a $20,000 piece of land. It's a $10,000 piece of land. It's a, you know, the $50,000 pieces of land were more inconsequential to people, but everything below that people were just kind of like, oh, well, yeah, you know? And so then I was like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to email blast all of the people that I am selling their properties for and just say, Hey, I'm offering also a new service. And that service is I'm going to buy the property from you today at 60% of what we have it listed for. My thoughts being, okay, I'll buy it for the 60%. I can either borrow some money or I can raise some money from other people and then I can put it on the market and I'll take the market risk over that nine month period to sell it. Right. And if it flips, you're, yeah, you're I'm going to make more. 40%. I'm up 40%. Yeah. Exactly. Minus whatever cost. Whatever the cost. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, the first deal that this guy calls me uh, that I had been listing his property for probably seven, eight months. And he's like, John, you know what? And in these properties, like this is the funniest part of this whole story. were $750 each. Wow. Okay. So, and this is in this little sleepy County in Arizona. It's midway between Tucson and Phoenix. So anyways, he calls me. He's like, Hey, look, we've got these things listed for three grand a piece. I just got this offer in the mail from, you know, just somebody sent me an offer for 700 bucks. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll buy them from you right now for 750 bucks. He's like, yeah, I'd rather you have them than this guy. And it's not a, con and it's, it's inconsequential the amount of money this is. So I don't care. So anyways, I, I was very afraid. I was like, holy shit. That was your first one. That was man. the first you one. You must have been shaking. Oh yeah. <laughs> Here I am. And I, these properties, I had sold 50 of these properties. I sold a bunch of other property. And I'm like sitting there being like, am I doing this right? Is this the right thing to do? Right. Is this the right thing to do? So anyways, I, I ended up buying these three properties for about 2,200 bucks in total. Talk about having some skin in the game. Right. Exactly. Wow. And then, and like, that's when I realized I was like, holy shit, I don't know a lot of things. You know, I, I had gone through probably a hundred <laughs> transactions already, but now like when you're actually in the driver's seat and it's your, it's your money. Yeah. 
I'm like sitting there being like, holy shit. Like I'm thinking about everything now. Sure. And so anyways, I bought them and I took his listing down and I put the exact same listing back up. Sale, same sales copy, same photos, same everything. Just with your name. Just, yeah, exactly. Just now I'm the owner. Yeah. And two days later, they all three sold for 9,000 bucks. Get out of here. And I'm like sitting there being like, oh, this is way, this is way better. Than, Why didn't it sell before? I don't know. Because it relisted? No idea. Back to the top or something? I mean, these are the Whatever. things. These are things that you don't know. Yeah. It's literally just like whether it was brought back to the top or maybe, who knows? Who knows? Nobody knows. It was, everything was the exact same. Right. Same photos, same sales copy, same information. Nothing had changed. Just more money. Just more money. <laughs> so I sat there and I was like, okay, I just bought these for 2100 bucks and I sold them for 9000 And I did that in like under a week. Sure, right. How the hell do hmm. I get, how do I get, how do I get more of these? Yeah, right. How do I, right? How do I, so then I was like, okay, wait a minute. He said that somebody sent him a letter. And so I called him and I was like, hey, can I see the letter that the guy sent you? Yeah. He sends me the letter. And then I remembered when I was at the fund, these guys would send us these letters that were ridiculous offers. You know, sure. we, we owned thousands of acres. We right. owned like 20,000 acres in Arizona and they'd be asking to buy 40 acres from us for 1,200 bucks. Really? And it's like, dude, that property is worth 10 grand an acre. Right, like, right. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. serious. So anyways, I was, like, I was like, wait a minute, what in the hell is this? You know what I mean? Like, what, what are these people doing? But he triggered that guy. He triggered that guy. Enough to where you, yeah. Right? And so I was like, okay, wait a minute. Okay, so he sent out this mailer. It just has a price on it. And, huh, how many other people are doing this? So at that point, I was like, okay, well, I, I, I got to test it. I, gotta, I probably got to test it. Like, yeah. I made nine grand here, so I can take, fuck, 500 bucks, I had a, couple. a yeah, thousand bucks. Right. And I can do some marketing with it. So I, I had these two areas that I, I knew what the property values were. And I was like, okay, like I'll send it out with my normal, I'll list it or I'll buy it for this dollar amount. And because at that time I literally had just told the people that I had listed, hey, I'll buy it for this much yeah. after they called in from a brokerage one. But this time I was like, no, I'm going to give them two options on the piece of paper. We'll list it for this amount or we'll sell it or I'll buy it for this amount. Right. So I send those out and then I get this guy and he calls me and he's like, hey, I own eight properties yeah. in this county. Right. I got your offer and I'm, I'm accepting your offer. Oh, really? And I'm like sitting there I'm like, mm -hmm. shit, like, okay. Um, I got to fund this now. And exactly. <laughs> and, it, and, it was, and it was like $10,000 for these eight properties. Oh, wow. And not I'm, that much. Not but, that much, yeah. but I'm sitting there and being like, okay, I, I don't have that. I just got eight. Yeah, so. Exactly. Right? And wow, I spent some money on marketing shit. and I owe some money for taxes and I got to pay my fucking rent. Yeah, right. So I'm like, fuck, how am I going to do this? So anyways, I, I, called, uh, I called a friend and I was like, hey, I've got this deal. It's eight properties, the eight properties underneath. If we can sell them within the next mo nine months at the market value, what they are today, the value is like right around 50 to 60,000. But I need 10 grand to buy these. And he's like, okay, I'll give you the 10 grand and I'll lend you the money on it at 6%. So I'm like, oh, deal. Deal. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so, not anyways, the best, not the best percentage, but it's not, hey, man. You're that's a good percentage. The at the end of the day, right? it, it yeah, ends up right? being pretty fucking good. So, anyways, I, I buy those properties, takes two weeks to close. I list them on the market. And within 15 days, I sold them all for $80,000. Oh, shit. And now I'm like sitting there being like, hold on. I didn't put any of my That's own money. two in a row now. Two in a row. And I'm like, I didn't put any of my own money in. And I just made $80,000. Your buddy's like, you let me know anytime you need some more cash. Well, no, then, so I call my buddy and I'm like, because like, to close, we have to wipe the, the, the mortgage uh -huh. off the properties. Sure. And he's like, 
He's like, I don't want my fucking money back. It's been really. It's been two weeks. You know what six percent of ten yeah, grand yeah, is right. in two weeks? It's like seventy five dollar. It may be less. Maybe less. And so he's like, he's like, keep it. Right. He's like, I don't want it back. Just <laughs> and I'm like, keep investing it. Okay, fine. And so I, in that transaction, I, two things happened. I sold a few of the properties on what's called seller finance, and I cashed out the rest of them. Mm. So the seller finance is somebody comes in, they say, you know, the two properties were listed for whatever they were. I think maybe they were sold for like $30,000. Mm. And the buyer comes in and says, Hey, I'll give you 10 grand down. And then I want to finance the rest of it. And I basically said, okay, I'll finance it at 12% interest mm. because on a smaller loan, the interest amount isn't a big dollar amount, especially if you're loaning it for two or three years. Yeah. And I would just sit there and be like, okay, like worse comes to worse. I get the 10 grand out which covers the basis that I had in the property, plus gives me a profit today. Now I have an income stream for two more years yeah. in these notes. Mm -hmm. And they're printing at 12%. Where else can I fucking earn 12% where if he stops paying me, I can foreclose, take the properties back and resell them. Right. Again. Again. Right, right. And so I sat there and I was like, holy shit. And now I'm sitting there with like, you know, $50,000 in my bank account. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I need to do this again and right. again. And so then I just was like, fuck brokerage. Yeah. I don't want to ever broker a property right, ever right. again. I need to figure out how to get more of these. So long story short, the first year that I was flipping properties, I ended up flipping maybe like 40 raw land properties. And in total, because uh, I had investors that were putting equity in and then debt, I, I made like 100,000 bucks net profit. Wow. And so sitting there, I was like, holy shit, I made 100 grand. And I, I was still doing a lot of work because yeah, I was right. talking to the sellers on the phone and negotiating and I was actually selling the properties myself. I felt like nobody can sell these properties like me. Right. I'm the sales guy. <laughs> Only me is going to be on the phone. I'm going to fucking pitch you and tell you why it's so fucking right, good. Right. Um, and then I would be the guy who was you know, working with the title companies and everything else like that. So I realized, um, well, I, I need to get more of these properties, but I'm freaking nose to the grindstone still like I'm thinking about all these different things and I'm doing the sales calls and the sales calls is where you get bogged down somebody oh. calls you at eight in the morning six in the afternoon right and I'm training at the same time I'm still pole vaulting sure so I'm like getting phone oh, calls no shit. yeah I'm, oh, I'm, getting these, I'm getting phone calls I'm getting voicemails while I'm at practice really? right the music's playing oh, okay, on the boom yeah, box and all of a sudden about that. <laughs> and so like it would be like I'd practice from 6 a.m. to 12 in the afternoon but then I would then go straight home and start you know trying to make yeah, sure I could yeah. afford my life. Sure. <laughs> um, so anyways. And like you said, training was expensive. So that's. Exactly. You know, right. Yeah. And I had to be able to do that because that was what I really was passionate about. Right. Right. Um, so anyways, I started trying to look for a new opportunity and in terms of where can I find more of these properties? Mm -hmm. And I had remembered, or I found this guy that owned 1300 properties. And when I was looking at the information, he had delinquent taxes on all of them. What? And I was like, why is a guy who owns this? The value of these properties is $4 million. Millions. Got it. Millions. Why is there $250,000 worth of back taxes that he's not paying? So at that point, I, I'm like, okay. So I you know, hire my private investigator and I'm like, Find this motherfucker. Right. I need to call him. I need to talk to him. PI gives me all the information, gives me his addresses, gives me his children's names, his grandchildren's names, everything. Really? And I start hounding the fucking phone. Right. And I call him and I call him and I call him. He's not answering. I'm sending him mail. 
Um, I'm, I'm just about, cause I'm in Georgia at this time and we're like in the middle of COVID. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to get on a plane and go knock on his front door. <laughs> cause I need to understand why 1300 properties that are worth $4 million are not being, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. No. He's got to have income coming in. Exactly. Something's, if he's not, then well, I had also it, looked at his house, his principal residence. Uh-huh. And I was like, holy shit, this thing's like $5 million. Oh, in, Ari- it sh- I thought you were in gonna, Arizona. I thought you were going to say it was in shambles. Right, no. it's In, in Arizona, $5 million house is a massive house. Wow, right. Right, there's California like rich, and then there's right, Arizona right. rich. And so it's one of those things where I was like sitting there thinking to myself, I was like, something, something's weird. This yeah. guy does not care at all there's something going about on. these 1,300 properties. Yeah. So I finally, after calling everyone in his family and sending everyone in his family, I'm, 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 I was very persistent. Sure. That's what he, he calls me. I get a random call out of nowhere, and I see it's a 480 number, and that's Arizona number. And I'm like, huh, when, hello, this is John. He's, you know, tells me his name. He's like, hey, I'm calling because my family is sick of you calling and leaving the voicemail. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, well, you, you can't say that I'm not persistent. He's like, he's like, that's the only reason I called you, because you're persistent. And uh, he's like, so what kind of... He wasn't mad or anything like that. A little perturbed, maybe. He was just basically like, what the hell do you want? He's like, so many people have wanted to buy these properties from me, and I don't care. Right. So I basically told him, I was like, look, I just need to understand what's what's the story here. Right. What what is happening with these properties? And then he goes into this whole story. He's owned them since 1960. He's been in these legal battles. He's been fighting against them. And then we get to the kit and caboodle, or the best part of the story, which is that in 2007, he actually sold like another 3,000 of them to somebody else and made $20 million. Plus, he had a development company and a CPA company, and he had all these other companies. He had so much money, he didn't give a shit about this $4 million. kidding. And I'm sitting there being like, dude, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So I I sit there and I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to figure this out. But I was right, like, right. I, was like I'll, I will give you $250 a lot plus pay all the back taxes. I will buy every single property from you, right? It ended up being, you know, something like half a million dollars. I didn't have half a million dollars. But I was like, I'm going to figure the fuck out. I can, I can show somebody. Somebody's got to have a million Somebody dollars. knows. I know enough people that know real estate that if, if I show them we invest 500000 and we get $4 million, they're going to be, let's do it now. Even if you have to wait a couple of years. Even if we have to wait a couple of years, right? So anyways, uh, he's like, you know what, John? Okay, of all the people that I've ever come into contact with, send me the information and then let's talk in a week. So I Get literally am like, out of Dodge. holy shit, <laughs> this is my break. This is real, This man. is real. This is happening. This is fucking happening. <laughs> so I hang up the phone and I'm like sitting there in my room and I'm like, oh my fucking God, I'm a shaking. It's like four million fucking dollars. Right. Like, so I run over to my computer. I write up the purchase contract. I put all the information together. It's like, you know, five in the, or it's like four in the afternoon at this time. The USPS store closes at five o'clock. Right. So I'm like, I need to get this overnighted out now. So it shows up tomorrow and then we have a conversation, not next week, on Friday right. this week. Right. It's, it's like it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, right? So anyways, I put this stuff together. I like proofread it myself. I probably had some mistakes in there because I was literally just like, holy shit, <laughs> fuck it. I don't care. We'll do some revisions in the shaking. future. Right? I think everything's good. Right. <laughs> put it inside of the envelope and I freaking take it to the USP office, shove it in the bin. And I'm like, this needs to get out today. Um, so anyways, it gets sent out. And then on the Friday, I'm like looking at the tracking information. Sure, it shows right, up the next right. day, right on time. I'm like, okay, I'll give them till Friday. Like, man, this motherfucker is persistent, right. man. He's real. <laughs> Friday comes around and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to call him in the morning. He'll give me a call. I'm going to wait till the afternoon. If he doesn't call by the afternoon, I'm going to call him. Right. So four o'clock rolls around my time. That's Arizona. It was like one o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, it's after lunch. He's read it. He's not doing anything else. I'm calling him. I call it, goes to voicemail. Hey. Hope you. I saw that it was. It's been delivered. 
you know, let me know your thoughts. I had a chance to look at it. Exactly. Blah, right. blah, blah. Talk to you soon. Okay. He doesn't call. I'm like, I'll give him the weekend. I'll give him the weekend. <laughs> Monday rolls around four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm calling him. Right. Call him again. And I'm like, okay, here's another voicemail. And I'm like, is this guy going to stiff me? No way. Is he just not going to respond? <laughs> So after, maybe he didn't look like what I wrote. Right. Oh, no, maybe uh, I was just like, just let me talk to him. Yeah, yeah. I just need to I talk need to you. What's going on in his brain? So I try to call this guy for another seven days. Oh my Every God. day, sometimes multiple times. I'm like, if you thought I was persistent then, now I'm really persistent. You literally just hooked me. I'm Not fucking right. hooked in. Even you if I told to, me to send even it to if you. I have to pay you a thousand dollars a lot, the value's there. Yeah. So at this point, I'm like getting like, fuck this. You're about ready to jump on a plane. I'm ready to jump on a plane. I'm ready to do something. And I'm just like sitting there being like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Like, what have I learned? Who can I talk to? What have I read? Like something it's in. It, right here. It's like this deal is here and he doesn't want it. How can I have it? Right. How can I get it? Around him. Around him. How, what can I, and, I, and I remember there's a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Sure. It's like, you know, a lot of people, that's like their entry into real estate or financial education. Ah, right. And I had read that book when I was like 24 years old. Yeah. And there's one chapter and it's specifically about Arizona, which talks about a, it's a tax lien, what a tax lien is. And a tax lien for people that don't know what a tax lien is, is in some States, about half of them, you can, the government, if you don't pay your taxes, the government then starts accruing interest on it. And after two years of accruing interest on it, the government says, we need money to run our fire departments, our police departments, our schools, and all of our other operations as a public entity. And so they sell those delinquent taxes to sure. investors. Right. And I was like, huh, wait a minute. And I know that in Arizona, after certain periods of time, you then can buy those taxes, and then after another certain period of time, foreclose on the properties and get them. Mm. So I was like, well, oh. I don't want to be a dick. Right. To the guy, but at the same time, he's not contact. He's not me. doing anything, so I need to force his hand. I right. need some leverage here. Sure. So I was like, I have no idea. So I like, I, I went to my library and I was like, "Where's that fucking book?" <laughs> I found the book. I read the chapter again, and I was like, "Okay." And then I'm like looking online and like typing in, you know, like Arizona tax lanes, foreclosure laws, and it's there's all this convoluted mess of oh, information. Right, right. And I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And so then the next day, I'm like, attorneys. I got to call attorneys. Right. So I call these different attorneys. I'm in asking, that area. In that area. Yeah. And I'm just asking them questions. I'm like, how does it work? What can we do? Blah, 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 blah. And this one attorney says to me. What's the address? I'm like, yeah, I'm not telling right, you. I'm not telling you. Right? <laughs> this one attorney, he's just like, well, you know, here, here's the situation, John. So if, if what you're telling me is correct, these delinquent taxes, they've been delinquent for over five years. What? So if you buy them today, we can immediately start to foreclose. We don't have to wait. So you buy it by just paying the taxes? You literally go to the county and you talk to the lady who works at the county and you yeah. say, hey, here's the parcel numbers. Uh -huh. She gives you the, the receipt or the invoice for the delinquent taxes. And then you personally buy them. By you buying those delinquent taxes, you now have basically uh, a lien on the property. Ah, so you, you don't own it. You just you own, don't own it. You're a, you're a debt that holder. percentage right. of. So okay. and, and you're superior to all other debts. Right. Mortgages, mechanic liens, judgments, everything. You're taking the place of the government yeah. in the capital stack of a, of a piece of property. Right. And so you are, you are the highest superior holder of interest in right. that property. Even though- On one hand, it's like you don't want to piss the guy off. Yeah. But at the same time, 
I got to lean, lean on your property, man. Right. You can be as pissed as you want. You right. got to pay me. Exactly. You got to do something. And so the other interesting thing about this business is that if you buy them in a certain fashion, which is over the counter, in Arizona, you earn 16% on your money. So let's say I buy a tax lien. You lost me there. Tell me again. Okay. So when, the, when somebody doesn't pay their taxes uh -huh. and it becomes delinquent, the county immediately begins charging that the homeowner uh, or the property sure. owner, 16% interest on whatever they owe on their taxes. Oh, really? So if it's if they owe $1,000, they owe $160 a year to the government. Ah. In Arizona, after two years, it goes to auction and it goes into a reverse bid. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that the bidders, the investors say, I'm willing to accept actually 4% on my money instead of 16%. That's better for the landowner and property owner. So that investor will win. Mm. But if the liens don't get sold at auction, the county keeps accruing 16%. And if you buy it directly from the county, you step in for the county as the investor and earn that 16%. Nice. So I sat there and I thought to myself, I was like, okay, I can buy all these back taxes. What's my risk? I'm earning 16%. So where do you get, where, where are you going to earn? Where am I going to earn that? Wait a minute. Holy shit. You know, at the same time, I'm still thinking like, where the fuck am I going to get $250,000? Yeah, right. well, details, details. <laughs> details. I'm going to figure that out later. <laughs> so anyways, I sat there and I was just like, okay, like I talked to this attorney. I learned a ton of information. I called the county. And I learned this information. And this is all within like a 24 hour time period. Oh my God. So I'm just like on the phone asking questions and talking Can't to people. Sleep, in the, head spinning. My head is spinning. And I'm just like, <laughs> nobody knows about this deal. Right. Nobody knows that there's there's four million dollars just sitting in the desert that no, this guy doesn't give a shit about. He doesn't give a shit, and nobody sees it except me. And so, anyways, at that point, I was like, I gotta buy it. I gotta buy something. Yeah. Because I don't know where I'm gonna get two hundred fifty thousand bucks, but I don't want to tip somebody off of two hundred fifty thousand bucks. Somebody that I would go to and be like, Hey, do you have two hundred fifty thousand bucks that you want to you know invest? Yeah. Oh, I could just buy the whole thing because you can go to the county and just buy it. Really. So what I did, I was like, okay, you know what? At that time, I had some other deals going at the same time, and I had like 20000 bucks left in my bank account, and I was like, I'm going to buy $18,000 worth of these back taxes. Right. And I'm not going to tell anybody. I was thinking that. I'm right. not going to tell anybody else. Whatever out. I got. Whatever I got, I'm just going to buy it. Because the returns, if you put it on a pro forma, you ended up making, if you foreclosed and then sold them all even piecemeal, you made 800% on your money. She turned eighteen grand into like a hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Oh my god! Something stupid. Yeah, yeah. So I sat there and I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy these. I'm not gonna tell anybody. So I bought them, and I ended up getting forty seven liens of this guy's properties, and I initiated the foreclosure. But then I was sitting there, and I was you can go through like different websites uh, that are public websites, and you can see other people that have also bought the tax liens. And I was like, I would see on different days some of them getting cherry picked picked off and I, I was like holy shit other people also see this i need to ramp this up right once so that, you made the initial purchase then people are like hey right and so all of a sudden i was like oh shit okay um i don't want to alert you know the big guys yeah, exactly. so to speak but at the end of the day how am i going to control this so then i called one of my good buddies and i was like okay look here's the situation i don't know if the market will take us putting 45 100 200 properties on the market. But what I can tell you is that even if we have to hold these for 20 years, the average return on annual is going to be like 40%. Dang. Even if we wholesale these things, we're still right. tripling our money. Exactly. And I was like, I have a 
I don't know all the steps still. Yeah. Because I'm still in foreclosure, my first foreclosure of this thing. But from what the attorneys have told me, this is like bread and butter, very simple filing paperwork. These three attorneys, these two attorneys at the time that I was using have do 80% of all these foreclosures. Mm. So I'm competent and I trust them, mm. but I just don't understand the whole process yet. Right. I know enough, but I haven't gone ex experienced it. Right, right. So my buddy's like, I had done some deals with him already where we had turned like 5,000 of his into 17,000. He's just like, let's fucking do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. He was working in tech sales sure. and he was just like, I don't care. Let's right. do it, right? So we ended up buying like 45 tax liens for him. And then I called a couple other friends and we ended up you know, picking off basically 50 for another friend, 40 for another friend, 65 for another friend, 67 for another friend. And they were all like, you know, maximum $25,000, call it investments at a time. Mm -hmm. But they had these crazy rates of return. Mm. It was literally like seven, eight, nine hundred percent. And what I would do is I would say like, I'm going to handle everything. Yeah. You're literally just putting up the money and you're the investor mm. and I handle everything else. And we split the profits 50, 50 on the backside. You get all your money back in the beginning. And as soon as we hit profit, then I get half and you get half. And it was, they were just like, that's awesome to me. They're making good money. They're so still making 300% yeah. right, right. on their 25,000 yeah. bucks. It doesn't, and, and we're talking about a time frame of like six months. Wow. So anyways, um, at this time, I had basically gotten to the business where I had hired a sales guy. He was selling all the property. I no longer had to talk to people. The, there was one person I had to talk to, the Him. county, oh, okay. the county government. And this guy, the old guy, I was just like, he's gonna call me. He's gonna be pissed off. We're gonna, I'm gonna be. I'm technically suing him. That's what I was kind of thinking. It's like you went behind his back right. and scooped him. You and, know, it's like and, whatever and I, I got to do, but and, I'm gonna do and, it. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, what's he gonna do? <laughs> no, he's right. gonna tie us up in litigation, and all of a sudden, all my investors are gonna be tied up in litigation, and like all this fear. Yeah, was just oh, exactly. And I was just like, well, wait, but like I'm still earning 16, percent and like. This is in law. Even if he hates me. Even if he hates me, in law, he has to do something. If we're already in the suit, in the lawsuit, the law says that he has to pay my attorneys. So I can't lose. Right. I can't fucking lose. <laughs> and I kept just thinking, like, where do I lose? Like, I know. And the only place that you can lose in this business is you don't sell the property. Right. So I was right. like, wait, but then I just own a bunch of property. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Is that a loss? I was like, is that a loss? Right. And I was like, okay, so then I don't pay, then, then, then I have to pay the taxes every year. Oh, wait, I know what the process is for people getting foreclosed on. I have five years. Exactly. So within five years, I'm going to figure out how to make some money out of it. Right. So anyways, um, in that first year, we, between my investors and me, and basically me managing everything, flipped 565 properties. Mm. And it was, un it was crazy. It was the middle of peak COVID craziness, speculation, really? risk. I mean, we would put these properties on the market and within one day, 45 properties gone. Really? And I'd be sitting there beside myself just like, oh, we just made $300,000. How'd that happen? Right. What the f you know, and I've got friends that are talking about their Bitcoin and I'm like, turn Whatever. it in. I was like, turn it into real money. Dude, give it to me. Like, I was like, I was like, you just had your Bitcoin coin go from 20,000 to 70,000. Like make that real and go buy real estate. Go yeah. buy a... Uh, go buy a condo in Arizona at 3% interest rates and then cash flow that thing at whatever. Really? $750 right, a month right. because I was like, Bitcoin's going to zero. These other valuations are going to come down. I was like, I would tell my investors, I was like, this land market that we're in is not the land market that I started off in. Mm. This is going away. Right, right. So we're not countering. 
if somebody comes in and they're like, oh, we want to buy your property. And all these properties were like anywhere between five to $20,000 that we would sell. Yeah. That was like the bread and butter zone. Just un, unfinished, un, no. It was a combo of um, undeveloped lots and then developed lots. Oh, I see. So the developed lots, I would like bundle those up and I would assemble them and I would sell them to like publicly traded home builders. So they were improved. They had the electrical running through and everything. Exactly. Um, and then there were other ones that were more of like, hey, these are you know subdivisions in Arizona that either haven't been built on yet or are in, people are encroaching upon you know for yeah. future development kind of a thing or right. the water lines at the road so who wants to be the first guy to start putting the water line up and up and up and yeah. up and up i would just tell my investors um this is not normal we don't want to own these things we don't want to hold them we're trying to take one american dollar and turn it into two american dollars we're making an investment to make more us dollars and if we're getting offers that are, let's say we have it listed for 20000 and we get an offer for $18,000, we are going to leave some meat on the bone for that guy. I want him to be like, I got my offer accepted. Because why? Because we got into that property for three grand. Serious, dude. So it's one of those things I'm just like, we don't want to own any of these things. Right. And so it was one of those things where first year we ended up selling in the foreclosure business 565 properties. And I want to make sure that people understand, like, because there's a connotation about the word foreclosure. Mm -hmm. Everybody that we foreclosed on, it was all land. So we're mm. not kicking people out of houses. Right, I see. And the other really fascinating thing, because I sat there to myself and I'm like, why is nobody buying land? Why, yeah. And why is nobody stopping the foreclosures? Then I figured out, I was like, wait a minute. Everybody who owned these properties has passed away. Oh, really? Or they bought it in 2009 at the peak of the last crash, mm. and they bought these properties for $60,000, $40,000, and they had loans on them. So if they recover the taxes, they still got to pay the mortgage. Right. And so all of a sudden, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Nobody wants these. Pro the, nobody wants these properties. Nope. The old guy was a completely separate situation. Yeah, yeah. But then all the other ones that I was foreclosing on, like one-off owners here and here and here, it was like, you know, sometimes we'd get into, I would just get into contact because instead of going the foreclosure route, I'd be like trying to get a quick claim deed, which would just save you basically either three to nine months worth of litigating. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh no, here's, here's the story. So my mom owned that property. She owned it for 20 years. Um, when she passed away, either we didn't have the estate put all correctly. Like we didn't have a trust. We just, it would have gone through probate. Probate takes 30%. By the time I take a look at that property, that property is worth $10,000. I called a bunch of real estate agents. No real estate agent wants to sell a property worth five to $10,000. My sales guy does it because I give him 700 hundreds properties, of them, right. hundreds of properties. Sure, right? right. And, uh, and I'm really easy to work with cause I'm just like, sell it, sell it, sell it. Sell right. It. And so it was one of those things where it was, um, I realized, I was like, oh, wait, the transaction cost for these little properties, if you own one, is very high, mm. especially if you aren't in real estate. Right. And you know, let's say that your parents pass away and now you've got to go through probate and you've got to get it into your name. And I, and I would help people get the properties into their name if they wanted to sell them to mm -hmm. me instead of going through the foreclosure route. But even that, it's like some of those people would be like, oh, I don't want to pay the attorneys 2,000 bucks. I was like, I'll pay for it and it's just going to be part of the deal. Yeah. You know? um, put it on the back end. Or it's put right. it, exactly. It's just like, I, I'm just like sitting there looking at Excel spreadsheets all day, just being like, I, get, I know I can sell for this amount so I can pay a fair amount here, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
So, anyways, wait. Let me clear this up. Um, so, if you if you buy if you buy the uh, the foreclosure, if you pay the back taxes on it, say it's twenty thousand dollars on a two hundred thousand dollar house, right? Uh, how, where does that give you the right to be able to sell that house? So you can't sell it. You can just sell what you own of it. Not yet. So the process would be, first off, m- most of the time you're never going to get a house. It's almost maybe. Let's say you bought a thousand tax liens on a house, mm-hmm. you're gonna get one house. Right. And you're gonna get interest rates of like two percent. Right. So it's not a really good place to put your money. But so like an unimproved piece of property, I mean. Right. Without a house. On right. It. So right. basically once I have a own a tax lien on a property, uh-huh. I now own an interest in that property. And once I go through the foreclosure process, I'm converting a debt instrument on that property. And completely foreclosing out anybody else with interest on the property, unless they speak up during the foreclosure suit and say, I will pay the back taxes to keep my position of interest in this property. Mm. So like I said earlier, the tax lien is the most superior lien in the entire piece of property because that's you're subbing in for the government. Sure. So you're basically, the government says, hey, we want these things to happen. If these things don't happen, these things can happen. I now get to do all those things through litigation. Right. And so it's one of those things where it's, let's say I buy a tax lien for $2,000 and it costs me $3,000 to foreclose. And I know the property's worth 20,000. I buy it for two grand and I initiate the foreclosure suit. Everybody who's alive has to be served. Anybody that's passed away has to be served by publication, meaning being put into the newspaper. If somebody comes out, if an heir comes out of the woodwork and they say, hey, I have an interest in that property, that's fine. They pay the $2,000 in delinquent taxes plus whatever interest I've accrued. So at 16%, it's 1.5% a month, which once again, most people aren't earning 1.5% in a year in their savings accounts. So they have that right. They also have to pay my attorneys any fees that have been occurred and their costs at Mm. that time, but they have the right to take back that property. Of like 1,500 properties that I went through this property, mm-hmm. this process on, I think I had maybe 30 people that redeemed. Okay. So it was one of those things. Very, very and, and, small. And I was always sitting there because like investors would ask like, <clears throat> how come nobody's redeeming these? And I'd, I was like, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to figure out for you. <laughs> and then I found out that most people were dead. Or the transaction costs were too high. Yeah. They would call one real estate agent. The real estate agent would be like... I don't know how much it's worth or like it's worth 10 grand. So I'm going to make $300 off that. Like I can sell a house and make $4,000. Exactly. It's not worth my time. Right. Um, so anyways, let's say that nobody puts an objection during that foreclosure suit. I now wipe out the tax lien and I take equity and I get a deed from the treasurer of the county. I see. And that now supersedes everything. Everything. On the property. and starts a new chain of title. Oh, cool. And then... So now you have, now you're in the equity position. So if the price has gone down during that time frame that you've owned it, you've lost money. Hmm. If it goes up, you make money. Sure. So as soon as you sell it, you capture the, and you realize your gains. Yeah. So that the whole process was we buy the tax lien, it's immediately foreclosable because some of them were 10 years old. Yeah. We foreclose on it. If there's an objection, they redeem it. We get the money back from the treasurer in two weeks because they, they, the, the, the government is also a party in this where if they redeem it, the government then sends me a check in the mail. It says, Maricopa County Treasurer sends you a check for you know $20,000. <laughs> you had redemptions of 
all of these different tax liens. Yeah. And then I, I call my attorney. I'm like, hey, these tax liens got redeemed. And he's like, great. And then he calls the person that paid them off and he deals with it there. So my sole thing is finding more tax liens to buy. Yeah. Finding money from investors if I don't have any money on hand to buy them myself. Sure, right. And then working with my sales guy when he has an offer, he sends me an email that's a, you know in a certain pattern that says, here's the property, here's the price, here's the close date, accept or deny. Wow. Or what, what do you want to do, right? right? right. And um, so all of a sudden, I go from being on the phones all the time and everything else, to all of a sudden, I'm like, holy shit, I'm making more money than I've ever made in my entire life, and I'm doing the least amount of work I've ever done. That's I've, where we were trying to get. Because I've built a fucking business. Right. Where other people are getting compensated. Like my broker, I paid him $150,000 last mm. year. It's like, holy shit, that's a real wage. Yeah, that's right. a lot of money. Right. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, I paid the title company 200,000 bucks. I paid my attorneys over there 300,000 right. bucks. Like, holy shit. And, I'm, and we're still making money. And um, a few different ways, in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of it, you so know, so this part slows down. Then this piece is this over keeps here. going, or this will pick up, and right? This will slow down. Or you would sell stuff on, like I was saying earlier, seller finance. And so all of a sudden, it's like, oh shit, I've got forty people paying finance. You know, they're financing it. Forty people. So every month, there's forty ACHs that get deposited into my account on the first of the month, and you're like. Oh shit, I just woke up. Damn. And you're like, oh my God, wait. Some of these are, that's a 15 year note. That's a seven year note. That's a three year note. That's a two year note. That's a, you know, it's like, oh, I've got an income now, even if I'm not for doing anything. Like seven years for those? Yeah. Right, Holy like, shit. Just depending on what you negotiate, sure, right? Sure, so right, sometimes right. If, if, it's, yeah. if it's a small one, it's going to be a year. It's going to yeah. be two years. I did, uh, I did one this week where it's a 15 year. So he's going to pay me 483 bucks every single month for the next 15 years. Puts fifteen thousand bucks down. I bought the property for seven thousand. Flipped it for sixty thousand. So it's one of those things. Where I'm like, holy shit! Right. I've been paid for fifteen years off that. And then there's also another market that you can go into, where if you create these notes, mm. you can actually then be like, oh, okay, maybe this is a risk that I don't want to take for fifteen years, or I'd rather have the money today. Mm. So you can sell discounted notes. So maybe uh. I create the note for forty five thousand. That's all profit on a spreadsheet. I can say I can sell the note for forty thousand. And take a discount of that five thousand from my income, and then not have the risk of that guy paying me four hundred eighty three dollars a month. Somebody else takes that risk, right. and I get forty grand today. Right. And I sit there and I'm like, oh, okay. If we're having like, a, if if you think that there's going to be good deals that come available over the next couple of years, oh, I'd rather have a lot of cash, right? If, right. if all of a sudden things are getting cheaper, like stock market's going down sure. or house prices are going down, yeah. oh, I want to have a lot of cash. Okay, so I can do all these different things, financially engineer things this way, and then there's markets to sell those other pieces off into there. So then you can end up with the cash, then you can redeploy that into new assets that you can then make returns on. Mm. So you that's know, I've heard of like uh, I've heard of say real estate people taking a lot of uh, companies, uh, putting a bunch of them together and selling them to you know to investors. I don't know if they sell them overseas or. Is that something that I you think, could like I think, bundle a bunch of? Are you talking together? about mortgages? Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 something different. That is something different. Yes. Oh, okay. So like, I, I'll invest into funds that do something similar. Yeah. I think what you're thinking about is what happened in 2008. So in 2008, what what a bank does is they go out and they make loans on the primary market, mm. just meaning they originate it. Right. So they make an origination fee. That's what the bank likes. Origination yeah. fees. Sure. They collect two, three months of interest, and then they've created, let's say, $100 million worth of loans. They bundle those up, and then now, because they've made origination fees, that's all profit, and plus a couple, you know, if you look at an amortization schedule, the first 
15 years, basically, you're just paying interest to the bank. They're yes, taking all their profit exactly. up front. Right. So then they're like, okay, we can discount these notes by a little bit and we can sell it to a pension fund, a foreign entity, blah, right. blah, blah. Right, right. At a discount of the note value is 100 million, but we'll sell it to you for 97 million. Right, right. And, you know, bloop, done, gone. They just made 3 million, boom, right. it's gone. It's, it's one of those things where it's like the. I wonder if you can do that. Well, you can, but like uh, mine, for example, like nobody really wants to buy like a hundred thousand dollars worth of notes or three hundred thousand <laughs> yeah, right, dollars right, worth right. of notes. Right. The people that do, you want to buy, they're called non-performing notes. Okay. And so, like that's that's an area that I'm I'm really interested in right now because, in my opinion, it's a safer place to make money. So I've ah. invested more of my money into that area. I see. Because it's actually very similar to tax liens as well. Ah. Um, because you're once again you're in the capital stack. Yeah. You get an interest in the property. And you have the ability through litigation to force somebody to do something. Right, right. And and there's managed funds that they have like full businesses of it. Mm-hmm. So you actually don't have to do much. And you're basically just becoming an investor in these funds. And they pay anywhere between 9 to 12%. And then if you look at everything else, it's like you can buy a mortgage on let's. So for example, I'll, I'll give you a scenario of like uh, a couple of weeks ago, I bought a mortgage on a house. I bought the mortgage for 25000 but the house is worth 250000 mm. And the mortgage prints 7%. So if that person stops paying, it's like $300 a month that they're paying. First off, the rents in the area are $1,500 a month. Mm. So if they stop paying, they have to pay $1,500 a month. I'm not going to do that. Right. If I'm only paying $300 a month and it's a $25,000 mortgage and my house is worth $250,000, oh, I'm not going to lose my $250,000 house over $25,000. I'm going to figure it out. Right. I sit there and I'm like, oh, I don't want to have to think about anything. Yeah. I'd rather buy that mortgage and you pay me every single month by ACH. If there's ever a problem, the servicer who's handling the mortgage can deal with that. Otherwise, I'm just hanging out mm. and making money off of that. So like, right. that's a really interesting area that I like right now because I believe valuations will fall in the real estate market. Yeah. Um, but you're, you have a ton of cushion because at the end of the day, like I said, if you pick the right mortgages that you can buy, um, you're just really heavily insulated, especially if rents are up here and payments are down here. Yeah. Um, you're just in a situation where you can basically protect yourself in, in a lot better manner. Right. Um, so it's it's similar in the sense that we're creating, like seller financing, you know, guys that will talk about it, you know, the gurus, let's call them. Yeah. Uh, I hate to use that word, but uh, they would say like, oh, you're becoming the bank, which is true because if you think about it, I bought a property or I foreclosed on a property for $7,000. Mm. The guy didn't want it back because he owed $300,000 in mortgages on it. So it's one of those things he's like, I don't want it. Right. I do not want that property because I don't want to be on the hook for that. Right. So I foreclose everybody out. I get control of the property. I'm all in for $7,000. I put it on the market for 65000 You get an offer for 60000 And the guy says, hey, I'll give you $15,000 down. And then I want to finance 45000 You become the bank in that seller finance transaction because I've just created, kind of like the federal government, mm-hmm. $45,000 out of thin air. Because that you didn't have to put up, I didn't even put it right, up. Right, right, yeah. It's oh, all, it's all you've created. You've created nice. money, right? And it's not counterfeit, right? Exactly, right, right. And so that's why guys who worth love is worth, right? It's literally just like I looked at the difference. Okay, the price that I paid to get into this property is this, but the value is this. So it's like, oh wait, if you can, if you understand the difference between price and value, you can capitalize on that, right? And most people don't even realize every single day when you go to the grocery store. What you pay for it at the grocery store is yeah. not what it was bought for. Right. Right? The exactly. guy who, who bought the oranges, he didn't pay $3 a pound for them. No, he paid $2 a pound for them. Yeah. Right? right? They don't realize, most consumers don't realize that every single day there's 
they're being arbitraged because that's just business. Right. And so in real estate, if you have a good lead source, if you know the different, hey, this is my price to get all in, here's the value today, that's how you can make a lot of money right. in right. shorter spans of time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that doing all that kind of stuff for like the last three years, um, and then subsequently I haven't been buying nearly as many tax liens because I, I sit there and I'm just like, I've got about 300 properties in the inventory that come over over the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So I'm like, there's no reason for me to keep buying more right. of these tax liens. And a lot of them right. are gone because right. we, I, myself and tons of other investors understood what was going on mm -hmm. and we just bought everything. Um, so there's not nearly as many deals. The deals that are left, they're a little bit more difficult and some of the people that are in the business, they don't really understand the business. So they're like, oh, I got something valuable. The property, they, they might understand that the properties were 60,000, but they own the tax lien. And I'm like, I can't give you $40,000 for that tax lien. Because if they do get redeemed, then I lose 30, you know, then I lose grand. 30 grand. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to go through the foreclosure and then sell it to me and then I'll sell it again, I'd be open to that conversation. Yeah. But I'm not buying you tax lien for more than it's worth. Yeah, I'll right. pay you full value. Sure. But I'm not going to buy it at a premium. Right. Um, so there's a lot of kind of yahoos that are in the space too, that don't sure. really understand what they're doing. And they're yeah. kind of like, Oh, I've got something really valuable here. It's like, no, you don't. There's 1500 of them. Well, there's a lot of people nowadays that, uh, I think they think that they can jump right to the top. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I ask you a personal question. What makes you think that you could do that? You know, I mean, I know a lot of athletes I'll that I know have exactly finished why. up their athletic careers and have gone yeah. through the ceiling with whatever they decide to do. Yeah. I got a feeling that that probably tied in a little bit. hundred percent. I mean, I mean, I've always definitely been when I was, when I was younger and even athletics, I would just look around and I'd be like, okay, if he can do that, there's no reason he's doing a specific set of things. And if, if I did those exact set of things and I had the same mentality, I would have the same results. And I, as a young kid, you know, 15, 16 years old, I would just be like, okay, if I do this and I do this, because he did that and he did this, I should get the same results. Right. And so it was one of those things in my, in my athletic career, I realized that if I did specific things physically, yeah. I would get the same results as these other guys. Right. And those were the guys that I was like, wow, I wish I could jump that high. I wish yeah, I could yeah. do that. Right, I wish I could do that. Right. And then when I went to work at the investment fund, my initial outlook, mm. these guys are the smartest guys in the world. Right. Holy shit, right? right? And I say initial outlook. Sure. And I, I'm, at the end of the day, I like all these guys. These guys are all my well, friends 25 still. 25 years old. It's got to be just right. like gods exactly. at that time. Like, at that time, I'm just like, I'm like, he's like, holy shit, look, that's a nice, he drives me to lunch one day and I'm just like, holy shit, this thing's fucking awesome, you know? You, man. Exactly, right? And like they're flying on private jets and I'm just like, whoa, like this is really cool. Um, so at the time, I, I just was like, you know, just being a sponge. But then as I got to know them more as people and as friends, I was like, Oh, these are regular people. Right. And they're just doing something different yeah. than everybody else. And they're looking at things different than everybody right. else. So then I started being like, wait a minute, where did these guys go to college? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, these guys went to ASU. That's, I went to Cal Poly. I went to Cal Poly. <laughs> we're not too far apart. No, we're not. <laughs> really? I mean? It's like, they didn't go to Harvard. They didn't no, go to prison. Right. They didn't go to Yale. And I was like, and I made these guys like $10 million. Holy shit. Right. I was like, I need a bunch of me's. I need a bunch of me's, right? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, 100%. Right. And so while I was there, I just started to realize, I was like, wait a minute, these guys are just following a different path, doing a, making different decisions in their life. And based upon those decisions, that's where they are today. Yeah. 
in wherever they currently were. They've made a bunch of decisions that led them to there. And then learning, you know, meeting them personally and talking to them personally about their life sure. and their story. I was like, oh shit, this guy started working as, you know, pushing a broom in a furniture store, oh, saw a guy with a nice watch and a nice car and said, what the fuck do you do? Right. You know? And then the other guys, it's like, oh, they just started cutting their teeth in a light bulb business and they started doing this and they started doing this. Another guy, he's just like, oh yeah, I was, uh, you know, a Jewish guy from Detroit and I was buying all the houses in, in the, in the, in the boom in 2008 and everything exploded. I lost everything. And then I really realized what I was supposed to be doing. Right. Um, right. So learning about their backstory, I was like, these are regular guys right. that are just thinking and doing things differently. So if I do things differently, what they're doing, similar mm. to what they're doing, I'm going to have similar results. Right. Exactly. And then I thought to myself and I was like, if these motherfuckers can do it, I can fucking right, do it. Because right. they went to ASU. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, and you so, know, my, my grandpa was a professional golfer. He's in the um, Sports Hall of Fame. Okay. And uh, back in the 40s, he lost his wife in childbirth having their fourth child. Wow. So he couldn't do the golf anymore. Right. He was at the top of his game. Yeah. You know, so he had to go back to Michigan. He lived, you know, in, in Hollywood. He was, uh, well, the war was going on and his buddies didn't want him to get shipped overseas. Right. With these three little girls. So they gave him a job making bee flicks. Okay. In Hollywood for the guys overseas. Right. You know, so after that, they asked him to do some plagiarism, blah, blah, blah. He told him to go stick it up their ass, you know. And so we went home to Grand Rapids and he started his own little business. He took on thread, he took on conveyor belting, all kinds of different, whatever he could find. Right. He traveled the whole state, Ohio, in a Model T or whatever the hell he was driving, yeah. you know. And he'd tell me stories, you know, I used to come back, I'd be out for two weeks, I'd be all the way up to, you know, uh, all the way to the top of Michigan, all the way around. I come back, I got zero orders. Yep. Like, what am I doing? It's like a true Ray Kroc I, story, you know? I suck at this. What am I, I need to go buy a gas station or something. I can't do it. And then two weeks later, all these orders start bum, bum, dropping bum. in. And, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, it's like, and, and but boy, that first couple of weeks, you know, he'd tell, yeah. you know, and his wife would be going, whatever you decide, you want to buy a gas station, so I, I'm behind you. Right. But, you know, just, just keep pushing. Yes. And, and sure enough, now he's, you know, he, he, he's passed on now, but his uh, Sparks Belting Company is, is uh, still on the New York Stock Exchange. Really? Wow. Right. And he was a golfer. Right. He didn't know anything. Right. But it was you just know? like, it was kind of like that. It's a little bit at a time. There's man. a mentality. Oh, here's something. Here's a guy with a beautiful watch. I got to see what this right. guy does. Yes. It's right from his childhood. Mm -hmm. He was going up. Uh, to the top, to the north side of the city, and then you go over to the east side so he could caddy for these guys yep. and ride his bike all the way up here and caddy for these guys. And that's just all he could see as a child. I want to be these guys. Right. Yep. You know? No, but I, he had no idea what he was doing. Right. You know? I mean, that's... Trials that's, and tribulations. You got to go through that. I mean, that statement right there, didn't know what he was doing. I think once you realize... I mean, I've started to realize as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, most people don't know what they're doing. Yeah. But they're just making the next decision, right? And the next decision, and the next right. decision, and like if if you can push those decisions out into maybe a couple years, sure. or at least have like an end in mind, then you're at least going to have a path to go forward right. on. Right. Whereas most people are just like, "What's the newest and hottest and right. greatest idea?" What's right. you know? I, th I think you know a lot of my friends, and maybe it was because we grew up so close to the Silicon Valley, it mm. was. Oh, I want to create an app. Sure. Right. I want right, to change right. the world yeah. by creating a technology company and an a lot app. Of people or, did. And a lot of people did. Sure. But but the biggest fallacy I thought of that was just like, wait a minute, what about the boring things? The the old fashioned always works. Right. 
it's just, you know, you got to figure it out kind yeah, of a thing, you know, not right. the thing that's just going to be the one hit. I made $5 million, but yeah. what's the thing that, Hey, if, if I do this a thousand times and I make a thousand dollars off of that, there's my million bucks, right. you know? Right. And so I think a lot of people just, they, they haven't either met enough people or read enough books or, you know, listen to podcasts or different things, haven't got enough uh, realization that everybody else who's doing the things that maybe they want to be doing mm -hmm. are just humans. There's yeah. they're no different than you. And at the end of the day, in many cases, they're not smarter than you. Right, they right. just realized at some point, like, oh, I'm not getting out of this place alive. So yeah. I, I, I should just do it. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, and but I, I do think that it has something to do with the sports. Oh, 100%. That, just, that's just the mentality get your aspect. ass handed to you over and over and over and again yeah just trying to be better i would know, i would agree yeah I, I would i would definitely say that athletic personalities uh or mentalities definitely aid a lot in pursuits of whatever it is yeah because i think you can i mean i definitely am a i definitely have in the past struggled with being very tunnel vision where it's just like sure Oh, I can block everything else out and go straight for that direction because yeah. that's what I want. That's what I want. And it's just like, you guys might not want that or you might want that. You might talk about it all the time. You might dream about it and be like, yeah. oh, that's a dream. And I, I hope I can do that one day. And I'm like, well, instead of having your horizon being 40 years from now, let's, why don't you make that horizon in two years? Might as well. Right? Like, and then just figure out like, what are the things that need to happen yeah. in that to get to from A to Z? And then check those, start checking those off. Yeah. It's just a list, right? Right, right. And at the end of the day, like, there's simple things and there's complex things, but I've realized that, like, even my business people will say it's very complex, but I'm like, oh, no, it's actually very simple, but it just seems complex because you've never even heard of it before. Well, it was complex for you to find that path. Right. But now you've, because I was now just you've jumping got through. it done. Now I've just dialed it now in. Now it's mode. Mm -hmm. Now the path is mode. Right. But what I realized is I just wasn't, there's not a lot of information on what I do. Uh-huh. It's all fragmented. Right, So right. you have to collect all these different pieces and make the connections. Would I have been able to make all those connections if I hadn't have read that one book when I was 23? I don't know. But at the same time, it was like, when I was 23, I was like, I just need to read all these books. Yeah. I just need to read everything. Sure. Just absorb as much information as I possibly yeah. can. Right. Um, and I think that also helps people better themselves so that when, you know, especially if you're on like an entrepreneurial journey, you need to understand marketing and sales and psychology and all these different things. It doesn't mean you have to be the best, mm. but if you're going to hire consultants, you're going to hire people to do those tasks. You yeah. need to be able to have a working conversation with them to make sure that they know more than you and you guys are both trying to achieve the same goals and you're not getting hosed. Right. You know? Um, it's hard to hire somebody that knows more than you, but that's what you got to do sometimes. Well, what's interesting <laughs> is I, I actually learned this lesson um, from somebody very close to me that he likes to do, it, it comes maybe down to a trust issues. He thinks to himself like, okay, I know best. I If I know if I do it, it will be perfect. Right. But what I realized, I was like, oh, wait, but you doing that encumbers yourself all the time. Yeah. So sometimes you you need to know the entire process and how it is done right. But you have to realize that sometimes 80% of the time, 80% of the perfection is okay to get the job done. Yeah. And that's when I realized, I was like, oh, that's why I need to hire a sales guy. Yeah. And like that, that for me, all of a sudden, I was like, that freed up so much time that I could do other things. And that's when the business really boomed. 
Oh, that's what I always hear too. Because it was, and it was one of those. As soon as you get your sorry ass out of your own way, exactly. <laughs> and and another piece came of it because I was talking to a good friend, and he was like, "John, you got to work on your business, not in it." In the business, oh, that's on what it. my grandpa used to say all the time. Exactly, and I I just would look around at a lot of my different friends who were starting businesses, and I was like, "Oh, we're all working in our businesses." Right. And I was like, "How do I just? How do I get myself out?" And I'm like, "Well, the first step would be." okay, I got to hire a sales guy. Mm. And if he's doing all the sales, he's taking all the calls. And it's like the first day that I did that, all of a sudden I was like, my phone's not ringing. Mm. Wait a minute, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know? And then all of a sudden I was like, well, I should find more deals. Yeah. Now I've got more time to find right. deals to and those deals build the business. to build the business. <laughs> Holy shit, wait a minute. Now I'm able to find all this money right. that nobody else sees. Yeah. And then I give it to the, you know, the attorneys and I give it to the broker and then I give it to the title company. And I'm like, Oh wait! So I touch this in the beginning, and I touch it when it's when it's you know when I sign the deed to, to yeah. send it away. I was like, "Whoa!" Now I'm working more on the business, yeah, uh, than in it, yeah. And so all of a sudden, I was like, "Wow, okay!" Like, and I'm making way more money than I'd ever made before. Um, but those are all different things that like most people, like I said, like a lot of my friends who have started their own businesses, they're all in the business. Mm. And there's, I had hesitancies of like hiring somebody because I was like. What if they don't do it right? What if they don't sell it like I want to sell it? What if they say something wrong? What if they do something wrong? You know, mm. you have all these fears that at the end of the day aren't real. So I just started realizing, thinking to myself, I was like, if things happen, I'll deal with them. Right. I can always deal with it. I've exactly. always dealt with it in the past. I'm still fucking here. Yep. I'll just deal with it. Right. Um, and that freed me up a lot to be like, okay, I'm just going to, I got to trust this person over here. Sure. You know what I mean? And then once you trust them, and then sometimes they so, do do it wrong. Put and some fires out once in a while. Every once in a while, you got to put a fire you know? out, and you're just like, "Why did that happen?" Right. Okay. And then it happens again. I can't use you anymore. Right. You got to go. Right. I like you. You're a great person, but you've made a couple mistakes here, and we tried to get it over the first time. So, first one, shame on you. Second one, shame on me. Right. You're gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, those are those are like, at the end of the day, that's a, just a different level of business that you've got to be at. And I wouldn't say that I'm at anywhere near upper echelons of business at all. Right. I, I still feel like I'm freaking on first base. Sure. Not even, I'm still running to first base. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and I just, I've gotten, I've been in, I was in a really good place at a, at a crazy time in financial worlds and yeah. everything else like that. Um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, that's what led me to basically over the last year and a half, I was like, oh shit, I, don't have to work that much. I don't need to be anywhere specific because I'm no longer participating in track and field after I retired. Um, so I was like, well, fuck, my life has been revolved around track and field. I always moved where my training facility was. I don't have a training facility anymore. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, shit, most people, they move places because they get a job there or their spouse gets a job there. Oh, wait. I, I could be wherever I want. As long as I have Wi-Fi, I'm, I can connect to my sales guy, my attorneys, and these other people. Like, oh, wait, I don't need to be anywhere. Yeah. So then I joined a subscription service that basically has houses all around the world in major cities. And then you can basically say, oh, I want to go to Barcelona for the month. I want to go to New York for the month. I want to mm. go all these different big cities. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, basically for like the last year and a half, that's what I've been doing. Just going to a bunch of different places and realizing like, oh, wow, like I would travel for track and field, but I didn't experience the city. Right. Or the culture, right? Sure. I, 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 I know a lot about the track stadium. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> but I don't know what it's like to live like a local and go to the cafe sure. on the corner at 12 in the afternoon, sure. or I don't know what it's like to, you know, sit under the Eiffel tower and, and hang out there for a while and not be stressed that I've got to 
be something, do something, be somewhere, be somewhere, or, or even be like, uh, you know, I got to be in top performing shape tomorrow. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Right, right. The constant uh, stress of being the top. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, There's so, a huge science to that. And every, yeah. and everywhere. And once you get to it, you got to stay within that window. Don't yes. You? Yeah. And it's, it's constant effort yes. and constant work. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, like the last two years has been really, really interesting. Um, there's pieces of it that are incredible. There's other pieces that you're just like, oh, this isn't everything it, it seems like. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Um, so yeah, that's where all like the traveling comes into play and I like seeing new places and I think yeah. to myself, I'm like, oh wait, people wait till they're like 65 to do this stuff. Exactly. Like, wait a minute. You know, my favorite days are Monday through Friday because Saturdays and Sundays, everybody's out and about. And I'm yeah. just kind of like, oh, you've just ruined my experience here. Exactly, you know? <laughs> right. I hate to say that. Get but at the end of the, Yeah, exactly. It's like on <laughs> Saturday, Sundays, I want to be somewhere where people aren't because right. I'm just like Monday through Friday, you're in a national park and there's nobody there. Yeah. Um, and so it's just like. So you've been all over the national parks. Which, what, what, what were you doing? Uh, in most cases, just like enjoying the scenery. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Like, so I've got a Jeep. And so like there's a bunch of back roads and a bunch uh-huh. of different ones. Sure. Um, and yeah, so like I was in Glacier National Park. That's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. So I was there earlier this year with a couple friends and it was like just the end of the winter. And I was like, I wonder what this place is like before there's snow on the ground, when it's in the fall. Yeah. And if you go to the shoulder seasons there, there's like nobody there. There's all these different back roads that you can drive your Jeeps on and you know get all muddy right. and go to these like high mountain lakes that literally nobody is at. Oh, um, amazing. It's just an incredible experience, yeah. you know, because you, you don't really realize, you know, if, like, for example, I, had, I was in uh, like a city, I was in London for all of September and I just got claustrophobic. You know, I'm like living in this high rise apartment and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, this is great. This is cool. I'm like seeing this cool horizon every single day. But like I'm in this big old metropolis with all these people and there's all these honks, you know, hon- horns honking, horns, yeah, and a bunch right. of other things. I was like, I just need to get into the freaking into the wild. There you go. And then um, so then you get there and you're just like, oh, there's no noise here. This place is peaceful and relaxing and yeah. calm. And like you don't realize how calm you can feel right. when, you're, when you're at these places. Sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just enjoy being outside and being in nature. And then yeah. uh, you, I also use it as like a, a tool for me to think, okay, what have I done in the past? And what do I want to be doing going into the future? Mm. You know, like what new goal am I going to set for myself? That's going to bring me, you know, maintain the lifestyle that I have as well as improve on the lifestyle I have, but also other things that are becoming more interesting to me, which is like, oh, wait, Okay, flipping a bunch of properties and making a ton of money, which is nice. It doesn't bring nearly as much fulfillment as other things could could bring. Sure. So all of a sudden it's like, okay, could I build a company that uh, you could get more fulfillment out of that would interact more with other people? You know, it, it, what what else is out there that will help feed your you know your spirit or your yeah. you know all these different parts of you? Uh, instead of just being like, oh shit, you know, I never, I didn't have any money. And so I just, I wanted a bunch of money. And you know, that was kind of everybody in our twenties, right? At least the group that I hung out with, which was like, oh shit, we need to make money. Like that's college is done. We're no longer have the parents credit card kind of a thing. Uh, we need to survive. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I also use like going like to natural national parks and stuff like that. If I'm there by myself or with, even with other friends, just as a time to kind of like sit and reflect and think about, okay, where, where do I want my life to be in five mm. years? Where do I want my life to be in uh, 10 years? Like, are there things that I'm doing now that I probably don't need to do anymore, you know, or that, Oh, that wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of like thinking about where exactly I want to go. Yeah. Because, Another big piece of that is, you know, during track, it was like there was a singular goal. 
oh, you're trying to go to the Olympics and, and get a gold medal. Right. <laughs> there's no other goal. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, at least for some people, maybe there's other there's sure. goals. But for me, it was like there's one direction, and that's you got to be the, you got to win. Um, but yeah, in 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 life, when you get into it, all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, there's crazy amounts of things that you can do. Yeah. You know? Right. You can there's you can go to Costa Rica and there's people that are in Costa Rica and they're just doing yoga all damn day long. And you're like, hey, that'd be kind of a cool experience for, for maybe a, a few month. Minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those things you're like sitting there and you're just like, all right, everybody's here doing like super spiritual things. All right, this is great. Monday, Tuesday, I'm all loosened up, but it's like, okay, everybody here has namaste way too much, you know? Right. And so now it's like, all right, I gotta go to New York City and get like some anxiety to right. fill me up a little right. bit. And then Well you're also an, an Olympic athlete, damn near, you know. Right. I so mean, you're not really fitting in yeah. with the general public when they're trying to <laughs> It's, it definitely is different, right? Like it's, I don't necessarily tell a lot of people like, sure. oh, all these things that yeah, I've done. Yeah, it's right. just like, oh, like I just go there like a normal dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely one of those things where it's kind of like, oh, wow. Like there's so much life to live yeah. that it's like, oh shit, I want to do all of that. Exactly. And I want to do it before I'm old right, right. or before I have, like I'm, I'd call it settled down and have a family sure, and a bunch right. of other stuff. But then, you know, at the same time, I'm like 31 and I'm like, oh, shit, should I be thinking about those things? And then I think about some of my friends who have done similar things that are older, that yeah. are like, you know, 45, 50 sure, at this sure. point. And they're like, dude, we had kids at 40. Like, don't get tied up in thinking you have to have kids early because yeah. of blah, blah, blah. Right. They're like, live your life, build cool businesses, and then think about that aspect sure, of life. Right. Like, you're a guy. It's a lot yeah. different than being a girl kind of right. a thing. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of an interesting time of my life I feel like because for so many years it was very disciplined and structured sure. and now I've got a lot of freedom and figuring out how to uh, become disciplined solely disciplined on what you want to do in that freedom yeah. is really exciting mm. but also very paralyzing because it's sure. like there's so many options you can do pretty much anything that you want to a mm. certain capacity but you yeah. can't do everything because time is limited kind of sure. thing um, so yeah, sometimes I'm just like, screw it. I should just yeah. go to Australia for the month and then go to Indonesia for the next month and then go to, you know, but then sure. I'm just like, well, no, maybe I should actually think about building another business now and then save those for three years from now, build a business in two years yeah. and then do those things, right, right. make that as like my carrot kind of a thing. Yeah. So it's an interesting period of my life that I feel like I'm just kind of like, huh, what should I do next? Kind of right. Thing, right. Know? Yeah. Well, you're covered. So, you know, you got income coming in, so it's not, right. you don't have to hurry up and get back to a job or anything. Which so. is kind of a really interesting, it's a really interesting problem to have. Yeah. Because I think it is a problem. Yeah. It's a problem that I think about daily. Like, what am I going to do? Right. But at the same time, you don't Even have to. Even though you've got this whole operation going, you feel like you're not doing enough? Yes. Because <laughs> you're not doing. Because I'm physically not right, doing something, right. right? I see. Where it's like, like kind of what I said earlier, like, oh, great. Like, we're making money. Yeah. And I'm making money every single month and it's coming in. But, oh, wait, there's other aspects of my life. Like, oh, could you feel more fulfilled? Like, so, for example, like one thing that I've, I've liked to do when I was over in Europe, uh, I had a bunch of different friends visit and we would walk through the cities and we'd go to the different restaurants and cafes and parks. And you're looking around and you're looking at all the people in, in Europe and you're like, everybody here is fit. Really? And they look healthy. Really? And then when you come back to America especially you go to like the Midwest and I, I, I really wanted to see like, what's the true state of the economy, right? You see all this stuff on CNNBC, CNN, Fox news, blah, blah, blah. Somebody's pushing that information. Yeah. Regardless if it's true or not. Right. And so you just like, okay, what is real? What's really happening in America? Okay. I'm, a, I'm going to Walmart. 
Yeah. So I'm like, I would go to these different Walmarts and Targets and shopping malls, whether those are high-end shopping malls or literally the freaking strip mall on the corner. Sure. Be like, okay, how many people are in this store? I don't know how many people were in the store last month, but is there a lot of product on the shelves? Is there, you know, are there, there pallets in the aisles? Are there, what's happening? Yeah. Right? And then I'm like looking around and thinking to myself, I'm like, holy shit, these people are just, they're making enough money to survive, but they don't have, maybe because they don't know that the information's out there or if they've decided for themselves, like it's not in their belief system that they can achieve different things. And I sit there and I'm just like, is there a way that I could, I'm not a big believer in like giving people money. Right. I'm a big believer of like, hey, I'm, I'll show you the process, right? I'll teach you how to fish. Give, I was give just going to say that, right, right, right. And so I'm like, is there a way that I could give the, a lot of the information that I've learned from being in contact with guys that built billion dollar hedge funds, right. that built private equity funds, sure. that built investment funds, you know? Is there a way that I can package up that information and give it to these people so that they also now have awareness to other ways to live in their life that can better their life, their family's lives, and, and a bunch of other things? Mm. And so that's one thing that I sit there and I think to myself like, huh, oh, that would bring fulfillment. I would hope that it makes money too because it would become a business. Mm. But is there a way that you could have a business that's also generating untangible things that you're also being fed by? Mm. Um, and so like by going through and doing a lot of traveling in America, you're seeing, oh, okay, this person's life is this loop every day. Yeah. They wake up, they go to this store, they go to this job, they come home and they do X, Y, and Z. Okay, like, oh shit, they're gonna be watching TV the whole time. Does that mean I have to have like some type of marketing on late night infomercial? <laughs> but I don't wanna be that infomercial guy that, that's, you know what I mean? So I sit there and I'm Sam like, guy. Right, exactly, right, you know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, that's another big thing of like when I'm traveling, it's, it's like, oh, like, how can I take where I'm at now, personally grow, but then also assist in lifting maybe other people up, making still an income out of it, but also giving them a, a, a tangible benefit to their life. Um, and so that's kind of over the last six months been a, like a, a, a common thought and theme in my life where I'm just like, what exactly would I build or what exactly, you know, would it, would it be a product? Would it be a service? Would it be an, an educational platform? Like what would it be and how would I market it and how would I sell it and how would I create it? And like, just to bring the lowest people up, uh, just to basically, maybe not the lowest, but I don't know if it's the lowest or it's basically just to give the information that's inside of my head yeah. to other people or just at the end of the day, like the information in my head is not unique. Yeah. I got it from other people. Kind of. And I mean, a lot of it, I, I got it from other people, right? Like you got a whole bunch of pieces from a whole bunch of different people. Then you absolutely. put the puzzle together and, and then you, you created the, this thing together. This is true. A lot of people could do this. Yes. But they couldn't. They but so couldn't. for example, a lot of this, a lot of stuff that I learned, I would say, I would say 90% of all the information that I've ever learned, I read it. Sure. 10% came from actual people. Really? And so it's one of those things I'm like, oh, wait, these people just were sharing their story and I read their story and I picked a little piece out of there and yeah. I learned a little bit from that guy. Yeah, right? yeah. I learned a little bit from this guy. Like What I realized in books was that let's say somebody um, writes a book and it's 300 pages long. They've decided that the 300 pages, the words that they put in that book are the most important things in whatever their expertise is in their life. That means that you are getting the best stuff that they think is valuable within 300 pages. 
for they 20. They probably wrote 700 pages and whittled it down whittled and whittled it down, it down exactly. and whittled it down until they had. And you're buying that book for 20 bucks. Right on. It's the greatest investment you can it's ever make. Crazy. And so I just sat there and I was like, oh, wait, okay, so maybe I got to write, maybe I got to write some books. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, like, okay, like, oh, you, you make a book and publisher, everything put together, it costs you five bucks and then you sell it for 20 bucks. Okay, wait a minute, I'm making 15 bucks then. It's a big problem, aren't um, <laughs> But at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, wait, but all these people that wrote books too, I bought their books, they made money, but at the same time, it improved my life. Yeah. And it, it made me smarter. And, mm. it, you know, it, it, it built upon my education. Um, and so that's kind of another big area that I've been really thinking about. Yeah. Like, what are, how can I take the information that I've learned and give it to other people and because, you know, a lot of my friends have told me like, oh, you should make like a master course and sell it and sell it. But I'm All just right. like, I'm like, look, the whole master course things that's happened recently, because I've bought a couple of them just, sure. to, just to see sure, what they sure. are. Right. I'm like, first off, the majority of people, they buy those and they never use them. They get to module three and they're like, I've got to go do something. And I'm like, at least if you have a book and you bought it and I've had this experience where I bought the book and two years later, I'm like, oh, it's on my shelf still. I should read it. And right. it was the time when I needed to read it. Sure. It was like this weird experience. If you have a module that's on your on the internet, you forgot about it. Right. Instead of like a physical thing yeah. in the world that's like, oh, it's on the book stand. It's in the bookshelf. Sure. It's whatever kind of a thing. Um, so, yeah. Get audio book and right. start shooting it out there. Stuff like that. Exactly. Oh, no. So, I've just realized that there's all these people that have told these their stories hmm. in like a format um, that's tangible. And that's impacted my life. And so, oh, I just passed the buck forward. Right. Here's my stories. And these are the things that I think are all valuable and were required for me and some yeah. additional information that I learned along the way mm. from certain people right. and mentors. Here you go. You know? Yeah. Like, so instead of you having to talk to the guy who created a billion dollar hedge fund, I've already done it. And here are the 10 things that he told me that were massively mind, like a right. huge mind shift. Uh, mindset shifts. You're selling them like five years of your drive. Yeah. That they like, I guess I don't have to do that. I can just buy the book, <laughs> buy the book. And right. And so, and so, yeah, it's uh, at the end of the day, I, I, you're, you're thinking about all, I think about all these different things of like, okay, you've got to get something in return for your efforts. But at the same time, it's like right now what I do, it's, I'm getting a lot back in return for my efforts, but there's not a, I personally am not getting a tangible effect from the person buying it from me in terms of like they're buying it for speculative purposes into the future as an investment. We won't know if that's true or not for 50 years. Yeah. Right. right. Whereas like, Oh, well, if you had a book, somebody maybe sends you an email like, wow, I read this one section and this changed my life. This is the idea that I needed. Yeah. And I'm just like, because I've had different people as I've like talked to them. Yeah. Been like, dude, when we had that conversation and you said X, Y, and Z, the light bulb went off or like, Holy shit. Like, you told me to do X, Y, and Z in my business, and now I'm more removed from my business, and I finally hired the sales guy, and holy shit, I didn't realize that I didn't need to be doing that. Right. right. Um, and so like those have been really, really fun conversations to have, yeah. because all of a sudden it's like, oh, I just gave them some information from a conversation that we had. They applied the information, yeah. and they got a, a tangible benefit, and then they returned that information to me, and it made me feel good. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I'm like, oh, how can I get more of that feeling? Yeah. And then make money at the same time. Yeah. And then you're just getting compensated in multiple different ways. Exactly. So. I, I mean, I've heard of people putting their information out there 
not knowing really what's going to happen. Right. And then years later, they'll start getting letters. Oh, my God, you've changed my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never talked to my father after, you know, uh, now I've got a great relationship with my kids. Right. And the guy that wrote is just crying. Like, yeah. I did that. Yeah. For them, you know, mm -hmm. unintentionally, but the, I really made a difference in thousands of people's lives. Yes, exactly. You know, and he's crying like, oh, my God, mm -hmm. I just, you know, I'm touched at what these people are sending. It's probably the same thing. Yeah. And you know. so that's that's definitely like I feel like a big piece where I'm like, oh, those would feel that would be really, really cool. Yeah. Because then you're impacting other people's lives. Exactly. In like, for example, like with my investors, I had one investor where we took five thousand of his dollars and we turned it to two hundred forty thousand. Right. That's absurd. That's crazy. He had a tangible benefit. And it changed his life. He was able to go to Europe with me for like four months. There you go. Right. And all of a sudden it's just like, he's like, oh my God, what have I been doing? <laughs> he, he, he himself has learned so much through that process. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, wait, but there are still, I, I assisted him once in his life. Yeah. But now it's done. Taught him how to fish. It's, it's, well, no, in, in the sense that it's like, that one interaction that I had with him is no longer going to pay dividends of, um, of fulfillment for me. Right. Because, you know, he'll just be, he may go on into the future and be like, oh, that one experience changed my life, but it's a set experience. Yeah. Whereas if you put like a story together and like share the information, then all of a sudden it's like maybe that one person gets the one awesome you know experience but then another person's like holy shit and I, my entire trajectory has changed and i continue to keep learning these lessons and building upon right. all these different things right. so like i look at my investors when they hey super appreciative thank you thank you thank you that was like a one-time thing mm. it's like especially from investors it was like sure. put my money here i made the money and i'm out right. put my money here made the money and i'm out yeah. so like they made they got a one-time benefit i got a one-time benefit but if I feel like in if you're giving information, that's now going to become ingrained in somebody's mindset, and then they're going to apply that over and over and over again, and they're going right. to be like, "Holy shit!" Every time I use this day in and day out in my business, so you're like continually getting that exactly uh, that fulfillment, right. so to speak. And you'll get that years later. You, it could be years later. I mean, I could you know look what I've built right from just the stupid information you gave me. Right. You know, it seemed stupid at the time, but right. Wow, that's where it a, took me, you know. That's an, I mean, you I will have, see that. I have, I have, I have definitely had conversations with people that I would say are much smarter than me, and they'll tell me some information, and I'm like, "What the hell did you just tell me? You want me, <laughs> you want me to do what? You want me to pitch this how? Like that sounds ridiculous, right?" And then all of a sudden, it's just like a couple years later, a couple months later, or I'll I'll utilize their information and take action on it, and I'll just be like, "Oh, that was brilliant." Yeah, right. <laughs> that was fucking brilliant. You know what I mean? Like, and I, the fact that I was so hesitant to do it is just because, oh, I had never heard of it before. I had never heard anybody talk about that way to do it before, but it had way more profound effects uh, than anything else. Right. You know, it just didn't match the old. Right. You know. Yeah. So it can't be right. Yeah. No. Exactly. Right. So I was like, no, nothing else. Nobody else says this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know that? And he's just. They're just like. Well, that whole thing it. revolves around your whole business. It's like that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, why? If if it's not there, then it must not be able to be done. Right. Exactly. I mean, if nobody's doing it, there's a billion there's a reason. people here. Yeah. There's got to be a reason why that's not possible. Right. Yep. And you were like. Wow, we'll see about that. Yep. 
And, <laughs> and but that's, I think that's another big thing that a lot of, I mean, I've always been very willing to ask questions to people yeah, uh, and be willing to be like, oh, I have no idea. Like say, I don't know. Mm. When I was younger, I'd always be like, I know, I know. Yeah, and yeah. My parents would literally like charge me a quarter because they were just like, don't say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sometimes either play dumb or let the person explain. Yeah, right. You'll learn something new. Right. But then I, I learned as I got older, like, oh, ask questions. And even if, if, you, if someone says like, oh, do you know X, Y, and Z? Just even if you do, oh, no, tell me about it. Right, right. And then you're going to get their perspective on it. Right. So I've always been really you need willing. build a friendship, too. That, too, right? You know. Because it feels good. You yeah, know? Just yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so, like, I would definitely say that I've always been willing to listen to other people uh-huh. and then seek out, not only, like, after I do listen to them, fact check it, read other sources, yeah. put it all together, and maybe a very fast manner, like, yeah. do it very, like, take action immediately on it. Sure. And then all of a sudden be like, Okay, I should. I'll, I can change my behavior, and I think that comes from my athletics, where it was like, okay, I just jumped 17 feet, but what are the guys who are jumping 18 feet? How much are they lifting? How fast are they running? What other workouts are they doing? Are they doing a better diet? You know, what are they looking at? What are they doing to improve their performances? Right. And so I look at that as like, okay, I've done X, Y, and Z to get here to this level. Yeah. Do I need to add something in order to get to the next level? Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, I could add something, and that will improve me, or you know, so you're constantly looking for information to better yourself or better your business oh, or exactly. just continually growing and growing and growing and growing. Yeah. Um, and I've always kind of had like an insatiable appetite for improvement, I would say. Yeah. That's gotta be from sports. Yeah. Uh, my brother's wife is, uh, she was, uh, um, on her way to the Olympics as a figure skater okay. back in the early eighties. And she took a nasty, but she never went to school. She was on the ice. She was tutored all the way through school. You know what I mean? One, right. one of these type of things. And, um, got near close to the Olympics and blew her knee out. Wow. So she couldn't do it. So she went into medical school and went through the roof. She's writing papers for Clinton. Right. She's writing, you know, it's like there's a drive and a dedication to that one. Yeah. All five of her girls are doctors now. Yeah, yeah. You know what uh-huh. I mean? It's like she's got that drive yep. where she knows, like what you're saying, that those horse blinders are, are focused mm-hmm. on what she wanted. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's cool to see a, you know, a pro athlete. I would, I would definitely say, um, one thing that after I was done with track and field that I did realize was that, you know, reconnecting with a lot of my different friends from high school or from college and stuff like that. I, I realized I was like, Oh wait, like everybody here has this balanced life, you know? Right. And I like, just like you said, like this insatiable focus, Right. It was one of those things where I was like, okay, like, how do I learn to relax? <laughs> right. How do I just learn to, like, relax a little bit so that I can just enjoy this lunch with my friends? You know what Most I mean? Most people need to learn the op- how to get right. engaged. Right. And get engaged, get excited, <laughs> right. and take action and a bunch of other stuff. That's just your 24-7. And so I was, I was like, it's been an interesting experience over the last two years because, like, even the thought of, you know, not working out for four hours a yeah. day, it's just kind of like, you know, I, go, I would go to the gym and I'd be like, what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> like, so everybody here is just like, you're just working out to look good, like not to perform. Right, right. This is very odd to me. This is odd to me, you know? And then I've talked to my other is friends. Is going to make you go faster? Yeah, then I talked to my other friends who are, you know, done with track and field. Uh, and they're all just like, dude, have you gone to the gym yet? And been like, what the fuck am I doing here? Really? <laughs> yes. Because they're all just like, nice. they're like, yeah, I'm not really sure. Like, you know, when we would train, you know, we would be like, okay, on this week, we're whatever, we're, we're power cleaning a, 140 kilos. Okay, next week, well, we got to push it to 142 or 145 kilos. Yeah. 
like we just that we got to improve next week, right, you right. know. And then you know my friend would be like, "Dude, I like these people have been doing the same reps for three months. Like they're on a this rep cycle." And what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm like, okay, should we go up? And they're like, no, we're just, we're, we're working on our tone. You know what I mean? Like right. my fucking tone, I'm trying to get stronger is, here. Right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, so it's, it's actually been a really cool experience with a lot of my friends who uh, were also in athletics yeah, with yeah. me to us being like, oh yeah, there's, yeah. there's other ways of doing these things that we've been sure, doing. Right. And maybe we were just a little bit obsessive over yeah, how yeah. we did it, but maybe that's why we were able to achieve so much. Yeah. Um, and why you were such good friends. And why we were good yeah, friends, right? You know, you had the same we just connected mindset and everything. Exactly. Sure. Uh, but I definitely have found that in a lot of, uh, a lot of the guys who I've uh, looked up to in business, uh, that they, you know, people that have built businesses and entrepreneurs that I've met, it's all that they've had this very insatiable appetite to be like, oh, no, I need to build this thing. And they had a strong why of like, oh, because I've got a family and I need to provide for my family and send my kids to school. Or it's like, oh, they've got like a, a bigger mission involved. You know, they've got to they got to donate back to their college or donate back to their high school. Right. Or, or there's something that's like motivating them. And I'm like, oh, in track and field, we were motivated by like the status of I'm on the top of the podium. And that was our that was our carrot. Yeah. Whereas like in the business world, it's like, oh, wait, what's my carrot here? I have to yeah. decide for myself what that carrot is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's been a whole other thing. It could be ever changing too. It could be ever changing. It almost has to be. Otherwise, especially being a sports guy, you need change. Right. And so you can't be chasing that same carrot. Just right. Like. <laughs> and so I, I felt like when I was first starting the business, it was literally just like, oh, well, I'm just supposed to make a fuck ton of money. Yeah. That's it. Right. Right. That's the game. And I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to win the game. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, wait, learn the rest of this shit on the way. Whatever. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so now I'm just like, oh, wait. Okay. And, and actually I had this really interesting conversation with one of my good friends. And he sat me down when I was like 26 years old and he had built a billion dollar hedge fund. And he was like, John, what motivates you? So at that age, I was like, oh, I just want to make a bunch of money. And he's like, I'm going to save you a lot of stress, a lot of grief. <laughs> he's like, you may not understand this right now, yeah. but in the future, it may come into play. Yeah. He's like, just think about what kind of life that you would like and realize that it's just a set of numbers. It's all just ones and zeros and tens and hundreds. He's like, you can have a great incredible fulfilled life living on a beach in Hawaii and that might cost you a hundred thousand dollars a year. So just find out a way to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, whether that's active or passive and that can be your life. Mm. Now you can have a life like our friend over there who's got seven Ferraris. His life is expensive. Mm. That's why he loves to work. He's addicted to it. He has to keep working because he's got a private jet because he's got seven <laughs> Ferraris because he's got 12 houses. Like, he, he won't stop because right. his lifestyle requires him to keep making income. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, it was a really interesting conversation that I had. And I just remember being like, don't make a lot of money. Are you telling me not to make a lot of money? What the fuck? You know what I mean? It makes I, no sense. I was like, that makes no fucking sense. What, do you want me to be happy? Yeah, exactly. Right? At <laughs> 26 you, years old, right? What I'm, are you a bozo? I'm sitting there. I was like, have you seen my fucking checking account? I have like $300 on my checking account. Like, I'll I, be happy when that gets higher. Right, exactly. Um, it doesn't but, work that way. But I feel like as I've, as you know, as, as these last couple of years and the business really just exploded with everything, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm starting to understand what he meant by that. And I'm starting to understand where he's saying like, it's all about being fulfilled mm. and being content and right. being happy. Right. And I'm like, 
oh, okay, where do I get those things from now? And he, at the end of the day, he's like, I'm going to save you a lot of grief that took me until I was 45 to learn. Yeah. Because he was building hedge funds and a bunch of other stuff. So he's 45 and here I am being 26 and I'm 31 now. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm I'm ahead of the curve. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm winning the game a little bit better because I had better access in him. And even now, like I talk to him probably two or three times a week. Really? And uh, it's, it's really cool because all of a sudden I'm like starting to be like, oh, this guy's helped me out tremendously for things that he's said to me and shared with me. Um, and at the end of the day, he never wrote a book. He didn't do podcasts. He didn't do no. any of these different things. And I'm right. just like, oh, I have all these different conversations that I had with him. Could I put that in a book and give it to other people? Right. And all of a sudden, they're just like, oh, it's not about all these things, right? But then you also think like, oh, well, that guy has $20 million in cash in a bank account, so it's easy for him to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. So there's like different, there's, there's, different, uh, there's different ways of looking at it. But uh, I think that's the other part of kind of like the entrepreneur's life it's like oh wait, yeah. what are you trying to build here it's like a very creative path so to yeah speak, right know? you know i'm a big i'm a big fan of mike rowe i don't know if you that is uh mike rowe, i've heard that name he's got dirty jobs yes yes remember that guy yes, yes. and uh he talks a lot about uh, what we're talking about now you know and um i was talking to uh change the subject a little bit i was i was having a podcast with a uh um airline pilot okay and he was saying that, you know, he was trying to help one of his cousins through. And he's like, well, I want to fly a plane like you do. It's like, but there were so many steps it took to get to where I am. Right. And it was a freaking blast. Don't miss that. The journey. Journey. Yes. To get to where you want to go, man. Yes. You know, be of service. Right. Otherwise, you're worthless. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're being of service to some people a little bit, but I think you're gonna find your you finding yourself now where I need to be a little bit more correct. Writing the book or yes. putting something together. It's like how can I serve my hum my my you know Humanity. my fellow humans right hundred percent and help them just give uh, get up a little bit right you know so and, and, I think and, that's really neat. And I think one big piece of it is that like so for example one of my uh, my my last pole vault coach he. I remember we were sitting, we were talking one day and he was like, you know, John, while you're a pole vaulter, you have to be very selfish because you've got a certain time frame that you can do these things and perform at your optimal levels. Once you become a father, you have to be very selfless. And I remember just like listening to him and like only now thinking about it, I was like, Okay, yeah, no, like in track and field, it was very selfish. Just like, oh, you're having a party, you know, your birthday party's next week? Sorry, I've got practice the next morning, you know? Like, I've got to be up at 7 o'clock, and I've yeah. got to be ready to go. Like, I'm not coming to your birthday. Yeah. Like, oh, your wedding's next week? Sorry, I, I, I can't make it. Like, right. my, my track meet's the day before, and right. like, or like, it's the day after. And so, like, especially the original business that I built was also selfishly built in the sense that it was like, oh, I need to be able to fund my life for pole vault. So then once I was done with pole vault and I was doing it, it was literally just like, oh, it's all just for me here. And then that's exactly the kind of the evolution of just like, oh, wait, there's these other things. Feeling kind of hollow, even though I got all this yes, stuff done. exactly, right. exactly. What am I missing? And so that that's also been kind of the segue into the, you know, what we've been talking about. Sure. 
where it's just like, oh, wait, these, these other things. Right. How, do you, how do you blend them all together right. so that you can be more fulfilled, you can help other people, they can benefit, you can benefit, yeah. and uh, it's just a better path forward, so to speak. I don't know if my first stop would have been Walmart, though. <laughs> the reason... <laughs> Bro, the, you're starting at the bottom. <laughs> the, 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 the reason it's Walmart is I realized... So here's the interesting thing. So when we were over in Europe, we were there for four months, and if you go to Amazon.com... Yeah. They have it in, in Europe. Do they? Yeah, of course. But you're not getting Amazon Prime. You're not getting it delivered next morning. You know. Oh, I see. You're right. So the, right. the convenience factor is not there. Uh-huh. Let's say that you walk by a butcher shop or a bakery shop. It'll say that, oh, yeah, we're open tomorrow at 9 a.m. You show up at 9 a.m. It's still closed. Really? They open up at 11 because they're like, oh, I had, I had a slow morning. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Or the sign will say, you know, oh, we're open on Tuesdays. They're closed on Tuesday. Right. Or you show up and you, you need something at 8 o'clock at night. All the stores are closed. God, they rolled up the sidewalks. Everything's <laughs> done, right? And so I was just like sitting there. And then when I came back to America, I was like, oh, it's so nice. I can walk into any store at any time. It's open 24 hours. But then I started being like, oh, shit, this person hasn't been able to go home. Or this right. person's working his second shift. Right. Or this person, like, it was just a complete different mind shift yeah. where like you had been in America for so long and I'd been to Europe before as a kid but I didn't I wasn't thinking the same way that sure, I think right, now right. so all of a sudden it's like in America you're like oh this is just normal but then you go over to these other countries in these little villages or even big towns big cities and you're like oh wait these people have a very different outlook on life they have a very different structure of their lives Sure. and then when I came back to America I was like oh this person does not look happy to be doing this Yeah. this person is not satisfied doing this he feels helpless or he does not think that he can move himself up. And I believe that if he had the right set of information and understood and was more aware of some different things that he can improve his life. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was me going to Walmart was really just one of those things. I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Walmart is America. That's like the vast majority of Americans. It is. And I was like, that's where I gotta go. You're right, you're right, you're right. I gotta go there, you're you know? Right, man. So I went to like <laughs> I went to I went to like Walmart, Costco, Target, sure, you know, kind sure. of this is the big big box stores. Yeah. And then I was just like, Jesus, like these things are incredible. There's no big box stores over here in Europe. Right. Like, you know? Yeah, that's true too. So Yeah. You know, you hear about uh, people that come back from Germany and it's like, God, they they're out at four, they took a two hour lunch, and they got way more done than I did. Mm-hmm. They're more productive than we are. Yep. I was like, how's that possible? But yeah. it must be just that. Or they take the entire month of August off. Like, really? Yeah. So yeah, we were in Paris for August. And um, everybody, as we were telling them, like, oh yeah, where are you going? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to Paris for August. They're like, what the hell's wrong with you? Why are you going to Paris during August? I'm like, why should I not go why to Paris? Why, why wouldn't I do that? You know something I don't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they were like, first off, it's really hot. And I'm like, I lived in Arizona. I don't think you know what hot is. <laughs> Second off, they're like, everybody's gone. Everybody's on vacation. I'm like, what do you mean everyone's on vacation? They're like, every Parisian, pretty much every European, August is their off month. And I was Never like, even heard of that. Are you serious? Yes. They take a month off. They take a month off. <laughs> and so we show up to Paris, you know, and I'm looking around and like, there's some shops open. Yeah. And I'm, but most of the shops are not. Most of the restaurants are not. And at the time when we first got there, we didn't know any difference, right? So we're just kind of like, well, we, we've got everything that we need. We got the butcher, we got the cheese place, sure, we got right. the you know the bakery, we yeah. got all these different things, we got the restaurants, the cafes. And we would ride our bikes through the streets of Paris and do all these different activities during the day. And there were like no cars on the road. Right. And so one of our buddies who actually grew up with us here in Salinas, he lives over there now and he was like, Oh, this isn't normal. Like everyone's on vacation. 
And we're like, well, it seems like everybody's just, it's enough. He's like, if you were here like in September, you'd realize that nobody's here. So I stuck around like a, a couple more days into September and all of a sudden I was like, oh, everybody was out of this town. Really? There was nobody here. No kidding. I'm like riding my bike and I'm getting honked at on the, you know, on the street because all of a sudden it's like, there were no cars on this road for the last three weeks and now there's everybody here. <laughs> Everybody's or back. like this, this road that I lived on, I had a balcony and I could peek my head out over the balcony and I could legitimately see, you know, this entire street and then you could see the Eiffel Tower and there was probably maybe six restaurants that were open through all of August. Well, all of us, and they all put their chairs in front. So you literally like you're sitting on the cobblestone and you're enjoying it. and You're watching everybody do the walkway because it's like a very like uh, touristy street. And all of a sudden, I was like, "Holy shit!" There's like 20 restaurants here. I'm seeing thousands of chairs sitting there, and there's tons of people there now. Like, I didn't even know what I was missing. Two weeks ago, it was six. Two weeks ago, there were six, and now there's <laughs> legitimately 20 restaurants all, all right. open. You know, and so then it was one of those things where I was like, "Oh, this is what other people know." that I just didn't. And they were all Europeans, right? They, we'd just right. be talking to different people that we met along the way and they would all just say the same thing like, why are you going to Paris in August? That's the worst place to go. No one's going to be there. You know? Right. Um, I'm an American. I'd be like, kick ass. Everybody else is going to close. Right. Like, I'm going to stay open. Yeah, exactly, right? I'll be the only I'll one be the only everybody... place open. Yeah. I mean, that's an American. I'm going to capitalize on this, right? <laughs> yeah, right? I'm opening the only 24-hour <laughs> store here. I'm bringing America to that's Europe. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, they have a very different lifestyle uh, than Americans, and there are definitely some really positive aspects of it. Um, there's other pieces that are, they're not negative at the end of the day, but they're just, they're different. Different, right. Um, but I would definitely say that most of the people there, they're, they're, it's it's a much more relaxed place to be, mm. um, where people are like, it seemed like, maybe it was just the places that we went, but it just seemed like there was more of like, a, hey, let's just go to the cafe for three hours during our lunch break. <laughs> no kidding. And just hang out, smoke yeah, a cigarette, right drink a beer, yeah, and, uh, you know, eat some caviar kind of a thing. Right. And then, uh, whereas it just seems like in America, you know, you have your lunch meeting, but it's like, hey, we got 45 minutes, we're going to knock this stuff out, and then we're going to pay the bill, and we're going to get out of here right. and go back to the office. Mark your set, mark your set, go. Right, exactly. Right? It's just like, hey, my boss is already emailing me six times, and he wants me to answer 10 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely interesting getting that aspect of, just realizing that, oh, wait, no, these are different cultures and they have different ideas of how things should work and how their lives should be run and stuff like that. And uh, the whole definitely like whole August thing being off was like, whoa, everybody's off. Like, yeah. like restaurants, they're just, they close their doors. People, if you work as a, you know, a hostess or a waiter, you're taking your month off. You work at the bakery, you're taking the month off. Really? Like, everybody. You drive a cab, month off. Dang. Yeah. Got to stack your cash and kind of plan for that, I guess. I'm I, don't not, know. Yeah, I don't really know how all that piece works. <laughs> you know? But at the end of the day, they seem to make it work Divide somehow. up and yeah. still pay them during uh, those weeks. I don't know. Right. What they, I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be able to do that with Americans. Give them a month off, they'd starve it down. Yeah, I don't know what would really happen. That'd be, that'd be kind of scary. Yeah. But, but yeah. Where else did you go? You were in Paris and then... So we started off... Um, you said Europe. Did you get Spain I've, and... Yep. So did you? I started the whole trip off. Um, one of my friends owns a diving company, like a tourist diving company. So oh, okay. he charters like catamarans mm. and then he'll fill the catamarans with different people. And so we, he, and obviously a big piece of it is scuba diving. So for a whole week we went to down to the Bahamas and then we went on this catamaran and we did like this cool diving trip in Antigua. And then from there, then I flew to Barcelona. And mm. then in Barcelona, I got a two-bedroom apartment. And I usually get like a two-bedroom in all these places that I go. And I just yeah. tell my friends, like, 
Come visit me. Got a room. Because otherwise, like, I don't know what the I'm hell I'm going to do for a whole bored. month. You know, I'm bored. <laughs> I'll fly you out, man. Yeah, exactly, right? Get here. <laughs> so we went to Barcelona all of June. And then after June, um, we went to, we did kind of like a little jump around. So I went to like Stockholm. I went to Amsterdam and then did some uh, Italy. And then we did like two weeks in Switzerland. And then after that, then went to Paris all of August. So July, we did like a, a variety of different places. Mm-hmm. Then Paris all of August and then London all of September. And then I got back to America like the second week of October after doing like a couple of different places in, in Canada and like Northeastern, uh, in, in Northeast the US. But yeah, so hit all those different places. I would definitely say like of all the areas over in Europe that I, at least I went to, Stockholm and Switzerland are like, absolutely incredible places that, really? that I would definitely recommend people to really? go and visit yeah. and just experience. Like it's a, it's a whole new, it's a different world out there, you know? And I've had like three clients in the last month tell me they either have, or they are going on this river cruise through Europe, starting mm. in Amsterdam yes. and going up through Germany and yes. Turkey. And yes. I'm like, I've never been out of America. Right. It's like at that, I, I, I can't even imagine. That's yeah. got to be the coolest thing ever. So yeah, I'm a, saving my nickels right now so I can maybe yes. do that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, there's definitely a lot of people that do that. Because, yeah, yeah they just... you can see different cities mm-hmm. within a short amount of time. Yep, and they're know? just like cruising you around the entire right. way. So there's a bunch, that's the other really cool thing. So like while we were there, we are not we don't drive. Sure. Their public transportation in Europe is incredible. Is it? Like the train system is, you want to get where? Done. Train, this train, to this train, to this train. This once you, to once you get to this city, then all of a sudden you hit the city train and then you're on the trams and then you're on the subway or there's line bikes everywhere or there's Uber. All there. right. So there's all these different modes of transportation. It's like we, for four months, we didn't need a car. Serious. It was super, super easy right. to get anywhere and everywhere. Um, which is not the same as America. No, you need a car in America to do Pretty anything, much. you know, and on public transportation, you're not really getting everywhere. Cause it's mostly just bus. Whereas over there you had a combination of everything. Yeah. You had the Metro, you had the, uh, surface tram. You had the the buses. You had the cabs. You had, you know you have all these different things. Yeah. Um, so that was another really cool aspect of it all. It's like, oh yeah, we want to go to this mountain town. Okay, yeah, you take this tram to this gondola to this mountain train, and you're there. And we're like, oh, that's cool. And you see all these cool sights along the, on way. the way. Oh yeah, so that's got to really, be one of the best parts. It's it, getting there for sure. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, especially like, and that's why Switzerland's really cool. If you like mountains and yeah. you like be just incredible views, like you go, you're in the Alps. Wow. And you're just taking these mountain trains. And when I say mountain train, what I mean by that is it's carved into the side of the mountain. You've got a sheer cliff on one side, and then you've got a sheer mountain on the other <laughs> side. And you're like, okay, if there's a rock slide, I'm dead. And if we somehow pop off this track, I'm also dead. Right. But these are awesome mountain views that I'm right. getting before I die. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be a great last view. Like, ah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, and we're tumbling down into the fucking river down there. What a place to die. Right. But uh, but yeah, it's one of those things I'm, I, I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, do we have these in America? Like, are there mountain trains? I'm like, no. I don't think so. You know, huh? I was in the Rocky Mountains a couple weeks ago and I'm like, I was going to Aspen. I was going to Telluride. And there's this thing called the Million Dollar Highway. Incredible highway. Beautiful, especially during the fall. All the leaves are changing. Yeah. But you're driving. And there is a train, but the train goes from one town to another town. And that's it. And it doesn't really? go further than that. It's from A to B. It, it, I've heard it's a really great, great uh, you know, 
uh, sightseeing thing. Oh, it is. But you're literally, you're parking at the train station, you're getting your ride up, you're getting your ride back, you get a little lunch along the way, get in your car, <laughs> in your car. and drive on. <laughs> Instead of like, oh, we're just taking the train through this entire country. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and, right. and if, if you if you plan it right, um, I've actually got some cousins that live that live in Europe. They will just every summer they'll buy themselves like a train pass. Mm. Like I think it's called like Euro Euros, Euro pass. Euro so, pass yeah, or I something guess I've like heard that. that. Yeah, and it's literally like you pay whatever dollar amount, and then you get access to all the trains, and you can go anywhere and everywhere mm. for the entire summer. Wow! And I was one of those things. Where I was like, oh shit! I wish I. We looked into that a little bit more because we yeah. were just paying to play. But at the end of the day, it's like, oh, you can literally get anywhere you want. All yeah. these different countries. And every little country that you go to, they speak a different language. They have different food. They have different culture. They have different architecture. They have right. all these different. You can literally in like 35 minutes, you know, go from one, one country to another country, have completely different everything. Really? And you're like, oh, I'm in a different world. Yeah. I'm in a completely different world now. So wow. it's a really cool perspective, too, of just being like, Whoa, we were just speaking, attempting to speak Spanish, and now we're speaking French. Or, you know, oh shit, we're in Switzerland. We, oh, we're speaking German. Oh, but now we're over here, so we're speaking Italian. <laughs> oh my God, like, do you speak English? Does anybody speak English? Please help me. Help me, please, you know? Right. <laughs> you know, we'd pull out our Google translators and just like start, oh, yeah, start writing stuff. We'd, we'd show it to them, and right. just they'd be like, ah, yes, yeah, we yeah. can help you. We can help you, you idiot American. Right. You know? Exactly. You know, you, you meet all these people over there, and they're like, they speak four languages. They speak five <laughs> languages. How many languages do you speak? Well, I attempt to speak English. I'm still working I'm on still that. working on that. You know what I mean? You speak English. You speak Greek and every other. I mean, exactly. it's a combination of all my, kinds of my things. My favorite thing is well, I, was, uh, my, I, 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 I traveled with my grandfather once, uh, and we went to, where did we go? We were in Denmark. And he would always do this thing. If he was asking a question to a local that didn't speak English, he would say like, hey, can you give me the directions to the museum? And then the person sitting there like, no English, sorry, can't do it. You know, I, I don't understand. And he would just start speaking slower. <laughs> do you know the place to the way to the museum? And I'd be like, my grandpa a fucking idiot. Know, that guy right? doesn't speak English. Slowing right. down or speeding up it's doesn't matter. Out, you know right? what I mean? It's like, it's one of those funny things that when we got over there, I was like, oh, we don't know how to speak any of these languages. But fortunately, most people speak English as well over there. That's what I've heard, right? So then it's just like, then you just can't be sarcastic or make jokes in English. <laughs> because then they it. just look at you like, you're an asshole. Right, right, <laughs> you know I mean? right. They're like, this is why Americans are arrogant That pricks. could be. I, that that I, could be. I feel like we learned that because there were people that we met that didn't speak English, or they spoke English, but it was not their primary language. Right. So then you make a, you crack a couple of stupid jokes. Right. Or you say some things and, you know, just as you would say to an American. Sure. And they're just like, that was rude. Right. Like, oh, no, that was a, that's a joke. That's sarcasm, right? right? That's sarcasm. It's just one of the, and they're just like. I speak sarcasm and like, English. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're like, what are you, what are you saying? Like, why would you say something Why would you like say that? that? Right. Why would you say that? That's mean, you know? It's like, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, I was trying to be funny, but I'm not funny. Okay, honestly. I was trying to be mean, but yeah. in a different kind of way. <laughs> So yeah, that's also kind of like a really funny yeah. aspect of going over there, which some of my friends were like, they, when they'd come over, they'd be like, oh, I've been like, you know, going on Rosetta Stone or whatever apps that you use nowadays to, I've been trying to learn French and sure. blah, blah, blah. And they'd right. like show up at the cafe. They, they're all nervous and they're like, <laughs> I'm going to do fromage or something like that. And all of a sudden the, the waiter's like, I speak English. <laughs> And Should I ask? Yeah, sorry. It's, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And she's like, and you can I just it, practice? And you said it wrong. Yeah, know. exactly, right? So all of a sudden it's just like, oh, okay, good. You speak English? Good. Great. 
we'll just we'll right, settle this right. conversation right just now. Excuse my satire. Exactly. We'll move forward. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I won't burden you with my idiocy. <laughs> yeah, I had a buddy, Mike J. Um, he was uh, an exchange student in Germany. You know, he took German classes all his life. You know, okay. And uh, went over there, and he thought it was weird because. He's like he would just get like a, a Euro pass or something, or get a, get a, a plane ticket and just go to a different city. Right. And his buddies are like, "Are you going on holiday?" He's like, "No, I'll be back tomorrow." Yeah. And they're I'm like, "What? Go peek, take a peek." Yeah. This is what we do in America. We take we take day trips and then we come back. Right. Like, they thought that was insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would you go all the way to you know to France or wherever the hell he was going, mm-hmm. and then turn around and come right back the next day? It's like right. Like, oh, that's what we do in America. We just we do, do day trips. Yeah. You know, that's, oh, I thought that was crazy. Yeah. You no. know? I mean, what's interesting, too, about over in Europe, it wasn't, this year, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same during the summer. Like, all the Europeans that we met, they were like, this is ridiculous. Usually, I can fly from London to Ibiza, or Ibiza, for $40, uh, right? you know? Or they'd be like, I usually go to Mykonos right now, but it's $400. Usually, it's $75. Really? You know? And, um... But what was interesting is the fact that literally it's like, if that is what's happening, they're like, oh, yeah, no, we just, we go for the weekend. We just go to Romania. We just go to the Alps. We just go to Barcelona. You know, like, just have a little nice getaway. Yeah. In America, it's like, oh, no, it's typically going to be like 200 bucks for you to fly anywhere. Yeah. You know, but over there, it's like, over there, it's like, I don't know how they're able to accomplish that. But at the end of the day, it's like 50 bucks, get on Ryanair. Jump over there, do a little puddle jumper, you know? No kidding. Done, done. Really? Have yourself a nice little weekend. Yeah. Right. So So it's getting more common there than, you know. What's that now? That's more common than, like what I was saying, it was Jay. Oh, yes. He was a little bit hard. Exactly, yes. That was more in the 80s and 90s. It might be a little different now. Right. No, it's definitely way more common there. Because most of the people we met there, they'd be like, oh, you've got to go to here. In this country, uh, oh, in really? this country, okay. in this country, in this country, and you got to do this in this country, and this, and you just be like, oh, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to come back because yeah. I definitely want to experience yes. these different things. Right. And I want to definitely do, you know, go to this beach, and I want to go to this mountain, I want to go to this island, and all these different things. But I only got four days. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely one of those things for them. It's just like, oh, we got a free weekend in a couple of weeks. Let's hop on the plane. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So that's killer. Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely that's the way I'd be. Way cool, yeah. You know, I mean, I got, what, three days off? Might as well cruise up to, you know. Go to Barcelona. Barcelona or something, right. yeah, exactly. Go to Stockholm. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know Europe enough to, to know where I am, but. Well, that's, what, yeah, I mean, that's we didn't, what I'm saying. We didn't plan anything. I mean, I would tell my friends who come and, came and visited, I was like, look up things to do. I'm not planning anything. I'm just going there. I'll provide you a place. You show up. We'll do whatever you want to do. Bring plans. And so we'll got, go do it. So I had some friends that were just like, hell yeah. yeah. They freaking, they're planners and they're just like, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. <laughs> and they come the first week. And then the second week, I got another group of friends that come and then they want to do the same shit. And I'm like, oh, dang it. So like there were some places where I ended up seeing some, <laughs> you know, very, you know, landmark yeah, tourist attractions sure. like three times by the fourth time my fourth friends comes and I'm like, yeah. You're going alone. <laughs> I've seen the. I want you to see it. Yes, I want you. You need to see it. But but I am not going to go anymore. I've, I've seen, seen it, it four times. times. This month. I saw it in the day. I saw it at night. I've been inside. I've been Rain, outside. I've been I've in the spires. It. I've been in the basement. I've done every tour you can imagine. It's no longer interesting to me. That's funny. <laughs> yep. I just had some buddies come in from North Carolina, and they they wanted to go see Alcatraz. It's like. Yep, right. Great. Have fun. I'll, I went. Okay. But it was like my third time. Right. And, and it's still interesting, you know, but, uh, you know, 
I don't think there'll be a fourth. Right. You know, exactly. Next time it will be. You're going alone. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna go with you guys. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go hang out at the pier for a little while. You know. What I mean? <laughs> right. when you guys hit that. When you come back, we'll go find some I'll other be right fun there. things to do. I'll be in this restaurant over here eating. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know when you're back. That would happen to me. It was literally just like my friends would fly in, and I'd be like, "Look, you're not gonna be jet lagged the first day, but the second day you're gonna be jet lagged. Yeah. So you're gonna get in." You can do whatever you want to do the next day. I'd recommend that you do X, Y, and Z because that's on your little list and I've yep. already done those. Then your second day, you can be flat out and then the third, fourth day, we'll find some fun things yeah. to do. And then, then I'll pick you up again. Then I'll, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'd like, I'd like wake up in the morning. Out. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd be like, have a fun day. You know, <laughs> have a fun day out there. <laughs> take this train to that train to that train. Exactly, have yeah. Good day. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, make sure you take a cab and right? don't, don't talk to any strangers. <laughs> the ones that can talk to you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So what's next? It's the name of the program. What's next? These are the best. These are the questions I've been asking myself. So, yeah, yeah, right. For like the last I couple know. of weeks. So I've got a couple of different ideas. Uh, I'm not going to share them with anybody yet. But at the end of the day, I've got some really interesting ideas that I'm working on that I are going to kind of build upon what we've been talking here, which are going to be like to help other people that are going to make good income. They're going to afford the lifestyle they still have. And then, and then obviously the, the goal will be to continue to improve upon it. Um, and so it's, it's, it's definitely interesting cause they are, they are products and services or a business really that I have, I've been interested in for a long time, mm. but obviously I've never done anything in it. And I actually don't know anybody who's in it as well. So like my entire life I've known people in real estate. My dad was in real estate. My grandfather was in real estate. So it was, I kind of grew up with that. That was the family that was the, the, the conversation at the dinner table. Sure, right. So these new ones, as I kind of dig into the information and talk to these, you know, these different manufacturers of these different things, I sit there and I'm just like, oh, this is a whole new fucking world. This is a whole new unique thing. And I'm like, well, I want to get this thing out. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I have to slow down a little bit. So it's more of a tangible thing. It's a, it's a tangible thing. So it's not like the, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a tangible it's thing. It's a whole different thing it's for you. It's a whole different oh, thing. Bro. It's a tangible thing <laughs> that people will buy. And at the end of the day, it will actually provide a really good benefit to them. I'm actually having a few friends right now test out kind of like a, called a beta version of what it is. Sure. Um, and, and, and they've actually all, from the, the small studies of utilizing this, have had improvements in their in their current lives. I see. Um, and so I sit there and I'm just like, are they having placebo effect or is this real? And so like, you know, it, it also comes with a lot of my background in athletics. Well, kudos for you for caring. Right. Most people wouldn't. Yeah. Like whatever, just buy it. Right. Deal with that later. And so like, <laughs> it, it is, it's, it's, it's basically long story short, it's, um, it's something that you can ingest like a, like a certain, sure. a bunch of supplements, uh-huh. uh, put in a certain protocol that, you can test on lab tests if your lab tests are improving or not. Right. And so I've actually been having some friends, you know, they're, they're my, they're my guinea pigs, so to sure, speak. Right, right. But I, I've been doing this, this protocol for about a month now. Okay. Yeah. And for me, I've had these really interesting, uh, kind of physical and mental changes that I just thought were kind of, I was like, Oh, this is just how I always feel. But now going through this specific set of protocols, I've been like, Oh wait, like, Huh, I feel very calm. I feel very relaxed. I feel like in a different, I just feel different. Yeah. It's, it's good, different, right? Right, right. Um, and so I've had about three different friends and they're now on it and they're kind of my guinea pigs, as I've been saying. And like we do blood tests and lab tests and stuff sure. like that. And I'm like, huh, wait a minute. Okay. After they go through the protocol after a few months and we retest them, like, do they have any benefits? Are, are they seeing the same things that I'm seeing? Like, huh, 
could could this be something that we scale out and then it's a product at the end of the day that people buy sure and it can be like a, a monthly subscription thing where you mm -hmm. know it gets automatically delivered to you every single mm -hmm. month and um so going through that process it's really really interesting because one i have no idea i've never met a single person in this industry and so it's a whole new learning experience for me but at the same time i'm like hey this can help it's relatable to a lot of different people especially where my friends are in their lives of they're just kind of like, oh, my invincibility feelings are gone. Sure. You know? Right. Um, I got a buddy that's pretty deep into that business. So like, right. Yeah, it's basically got, like a, like, yeah. a, like the biohacking kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you basically just, you're changing a lot of like the, it can change your mentality, your physicality. It can change all these different things. And then I realized that there were these basically four different doctors that they were running this protocol in all of their different patients for them as a, a clinical doctor. And obviously in the literature that they provide, they don't just say, here's the protocol, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of you know malpractice and liability. Blah, 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 liability. Sure, sure. Like not just to like diagnose, but I was like, oh wait, but they're buying it from these manufacturers over here. But then also there's other people that are selling these things, but they're not good marketers. And so I realized, I was like, wait, if you were a better marketer, that's really what business is all about. And I was like, but if, are, are, am I going to get the benefits that these doctors are seeing their clinical patients getting? Mm. And I was like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. So I feel like I'm getting those similar benefits that they're talking about in these mm -hmm. different clinical studies and these case studies. Right. And the supplement companies are able to sell them because they're supplement companies. They're not medical companies. So it's all of a sudden it's like, huh. Right. If I'm just a better marketer and it's the same product, it's unpatentable. Right. Huh. Maybe I could do more good by just taking this small, very small, kind of smaller product market hmm. and then introducing it to a, a much larger audience of people right, right. and just a different, you know, different, different scale, different scale, different avenues. Right. Um, so that's kind of been the one thing that I've been working on that I don't know if it's going to be viable yet. At the end of the day, I still feel yeah. like I have to test it on myself sure. and I've got to go through it for like 90 days at least. Yeah. And then obviously my friends are doing it in, in lower capacities. I, I kind of like full tilted forward. Sure, I, was, right. I was just like, I read about it. I read the studies, all these people, nothing bad happened to them, at least in the studies, right? Maybe they just didn't publish the Bible. Yeah, right. So I was like, I'm doing it. I'll be the guinea pig. I'll be the guinea pig. I'm going to test it on myself. Like, um, So yeah, it'll that'll probably take you know three to six months to really get to a point where I'm either like, okay, I'm going to be fully all, I can go all in on this kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, no, this probably isn't the thing that I want to push forward. Yeah. Um, and then continue searching for different things along the way kind right. of a thing. So Just yeah. Get yourself educated enough to be able to make that decision. Exactly. Yeah. You know. And so it's, it's one of those things where it's, I sit and I think to myself like, okay, I want this, the end goal is that I do want this to be beneficial for other people. Yeah. And I want them to actually get a benefit out of it. Right. I do also want to continue to make money and you know the real estate business is going as it's going we've got plenty of inventory that'll probably last for a couple of different a yeah. couple of years at this point and then oh if we start this other business at the end of the day it's a very similar systematic model mm. of we've got a product and we can hire marketers in different fashions and different systems right. and then build that and then that'll generate more cash that then we can either you know build that business up more or do different stuff in real yeah. estate or just you know do other things um you know, create new cool businesses and, yeah. learn, and learn more information and, you know, just uh, have more excitement kind of in your right, life of learning right. new different things. Buy uh, my product and you can pole vault 17 feet. <laughs> I, that won't be, that won't be there. That requires a lot of stuff, right? But maybe just like people, what I, what I've realized is that a lot of people are constantly in a state of, uh, I'll call it survival. 
where it's like, holy shit, like I've got to pay my bills. I've got to get everything done. And they're just like constantly stressed. And so, and so like people, they look for different outs for their stress, right? Some people like to drink alcohol. Some people want to drink coffee in the morning. Some people get massages, get massages, right? <laughs> There's all these different avenues that people go to, to relieve that stress. But yeah. it's like, what if there was certain products that could allow you to naturally nothing illicit, nothing, you know, just literally natural things put in a certain dosage amounts that could allow you to just mellow out. Right. Or at least in, to get to a point where you're not having a lot of anxiety yeah. or fearing things that aren't happening right now. Mm. And so like kind of another big piece of this is with everything in the real estate business that I do, obviously we're, I'm dealing with money from investors. I'm dealing with a lot of my own money. Sure. And so I sit there and when I, you know, when I watch the news and I listen to different people and I talk to all these different people, you know, we all have our theories of what's going to happen in terms of the economy mm. where evaluations going. Are we, you know, are we going to have slow down? Are the people that are, that used financing going to be able to continue to pay their financing. So you get all these information and, and that created for me, at least I was just like stressed out about it. Always. You know, you're always just like, holy shit, what should I be doing? Right. What should I be right. doing? What am I not seeing? What am I not That's seeing? That's going to hit me in the back of the head. Exactly. Yeah, right. And it was Constantly. a, con- and it was a constant anxious sure. thought of these unknown potentials in the future. And even though I had, pl- I've, I have plenty of security in the money that I have right now, it was still, I was like, why am I worried about these things? If everything blew up tomorrow, I'm fine. But at the end of the day, I was like, I'm, I just am anxious about these right. things. And then, so it was interesting because once I found all these different protocols or this, basically this one protocol and I started going on it, I was like, why do I feel like I have a lot of clarity and a lot of focus and a lot of ability to be like, okay, that's a fear. How can I mitigate that fear in a not, and not make an emotional decision of, Fuck it, sell it all. Right. Discount all the prices. Out of fear. Unload everything, right. right? Take a little bit more, a step back approach and be like, okay, let's logically be able to think through all of these different things. And then I thought, I was like, oh, wait, okay, I got a lot of benefit from these, these, this protocol that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Would that help other people in their lives when they're freaking out a bunch of different things? Mm-hmm. Whether that's you know their kids or their budgets or their income or their mortgage, whatever. Endless list. Could it help them just be able to slow down and be able to deal with all of those in a different fashion right. in their own life and get a benefit from it? Yeah. And every case study that I read about this stuff, and once again, this very small market, everybody was seeing these positive benefits. Obviously, the doctors who are doing the clinical studies, you always have to sit there and like, are they biased? You know what I mean? Like. Where are the supplements coming from? Okay, one of the guys owns a supplement company, so you know, I just, you right. know I got to pull it apart. I got to look sure, inside. I got to sure. you know call the doctor's office and be like, I'd like an appointment, and like he don't know anything about me, but I'm gonna come and see your operation, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm like, huh? Is there something here that I feel like I've had a tangible benefit? Yeah. That then you could give to other people that are also gonna get a tangible benefit. Right. Um, and then improve their life through, yeah. through that fashion. So right. that's kind of the one thing that's been really, really resonating with me over like the last month here. Um, and it's the first thing that I've been, that I've th- found, thought about, and like been much more convinced about than any of the other ideas that I've had over the last six months. Right. Because I'd get different ideas and I'd, I'd mull on it and I'd be like, ah, no, that's not what I, that's not yeah. And I'd think about another thing or I'd find out another, about another thing or I'd have a conversation with somebody that wants to start something and I'd be like, I'd be excited about it, but I'd be like, nah, that's not it. 
that's not it. And then all of a sudden I found this thing and I'm like, why do I feel like this is it? Yeah. Like, why is it that all of a sudden all the conversations that I've had with all these different people in my sphere, we've kind of all touched upon things that this can assist them in. All of them. All of them. What? And it's just one thing after one thing after another after another. And it kind of goes back to my friend who built the billion dollar hedge fund. Mm-hmm. I called him about this and he had literally, like within the last week when I talked to him about this, bought a, like, a similar protocol. No kidding. That was not the full thing. Yeah. But a, 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 a piece of it. Sure. And I was like, hold on. You did this too? And he's just like, he's like, I just, I just been feeling a certain type of way and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, holy shit, this isn't just me. Right. And this isn't just him. And he had positive results? He hadn't done it yet. Oh, he hadn't done it yet. He hadn't gone all the way through yet. Okay. He had just seen something and then bought it. And then whether he was going to take it or not, he was like, he's like, I bought it, but I want to read more about it. And I want to learn more about it. Oh, I see. And then all of a sudden I was, and then I was talking to him about it. He's like, if this is something you're interested in, I would definitely be willing to back you as well. Sure. And I'm like right. sitting there being like, hey, this could be a fun thing between the two of us. Yeah. You know? First of all, what did you buy? And who does their marketing? Right. Because they got it to you. Right. Exactly. I want to know everything that that guy knows. Right. First of all. And so those are the things too where I was just, and then what's interesting is like even today I was talking with a friend and he was telling me some stuff that his, him and his wife have been going through and I'm like, shit, like all these clinical studies that I've read and all these books that I've read on this certain thing, you should read these books, buddy. He's one of yeah. my friends that I've known since sixth grade. Sure. And I'm like, read these. And right. I'm coming over to your house this weekend. We're going to fucking just talk about it. Right. And I'm just kind of like sitting there being like, oh, more people are experiencing these certain things that this specific fucking doctor. It's, so it's when I sit there and I think to myself, I'm like, is, this, is there a trend here? Yeah. Is, is, there, is there something here that you could get in today and be a good marketer at it and take up a lot of market share today mm-hmm. that then will be expansive because people are questioning this? Right. Like, oh, I just need something for X, Y, and Z or this and this and this. And all of a sudden, it's just like, that's the product that seems to help all of these different people with these different problems. Um, and so it's like, oh, wait, all of a sudden that person's talking about it and that person's talking about it. Or they're not talking about it, but they're talking about the symptoms of it. Ah, right. And I'm like, oh, huh, this is interesting that it's all coming into play at one time. Yeah, why is this all this hitting me all at the at, same at time? At the same right? time. Right, right. That's, that, that's the way life is, man. Exactly. You better pay attention. And, and that's, for me, I've been like, this stuff has allowed me to kind of pay attention right. instead of being worried yeah. about all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, is that like a, you know, is that like a, fate thing is that a Some, destiny yeah, thing yeah, is that like right. divine intervention I don't kind of that a thing? Out loud, exactly right but it's just kind of one of those things where it's like why is this all coming to me now right and it's different just, parts of it like the other one right like all these pieces yes. are falling in my lap and going, sudden, okay i have to put this together exactly exactly and so it's been one of those interesting things where for the last month it's been like oh no like the more i read and the more i talk to people i'm like oh i think there's something here i think there's really something here and even if it's like We've got to start this, you know, it seems like to start this thing is like 50,000 bucks. And it's just kind of one of those things like, okay, well, you know what? The worst thing that happens is I've got all this freaking product. Oh, I just donate the product. Right. And I'm just kind of like, okay, that's the risk. Okay, well, shoot. Like, I guess I just, I just got to make sure that, you know, if I'm buying it from a manufacturer who's putting it all together, how do I test it? How do I make sure that they're actually making what I fucking tell them to make? Yeah. I got to trust them. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right, right. It's like, I got to go, I got to go inspect this warehouse. I got to go inspect this manufacturing sure. warehouse. Like, I'm going to, this is going to be going to people. You know what I mean? Like, so that's a whole other thing. My, with my name or with my, my name, on right, it like, anyways. Exactly. Like my, the company that I control is going to be selling this to people. Whereas what's crazy about the land stuff, it was all about 
I never looked at the property. I never went to the property. We just like a Google aerial views. Right. So super, super remote, right? Yeah. This in the beginning, it's like, oh no, I've got to do some real investigation because you're going to be dealing with stuff that people are going to be ingesting and, exactly. and, and people are going to be like having, you know, right. They're going to be always going to be somebody it. with a problem. Exactly. And so it's, that's you're, the thing. you're not going to get away from that. Somebody's going to sue you. Somebody exactly. Gonna, and those are the other things that I sit there. You're, and not, just, you're not supposed to swallow the cap of the bottle or something. Right, I don't yeah. know. What, you know. And those are the other things where I'm just like, Stupid. since it's a completely foreign industry, I'm like sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, what do I, st- I, I don't know a lot. Yeah. So I need to bring myself up to speed on that. Talk to the right people and make sure that you're creating something safe and effective for people. Yeah. But at the same time, covering all of your bases. Right. And it's just like, oh, how are we going to set these entities up? Right. There's going to be a company that sells it, a company that manufactures it. And then there's going to be an exchange at some place. But you got to make sure the entity that holds, you know, all the financial backing isn't going to be the one getting sued. And Marketing. So, oh, exactly. There's going to so be many. all these different things. And so I'm just like, holy shit, like I'm rebuilding a whole fucking new business. But it's not as hard as it was the first one because yeah. I can pick and pull from that. Sure, sure. But it's so different that at the end of the day, there's I'm like, did I cover all my bases? Am I thinking this correctly? It's a human is, element. Is the, is the plan here? Is the structure here? Yeah. Um, shit, is it gonna fucking work? You know, <laughs> like you know, like at what least that? at least in land and in real estate, what you can do is it's easy to find market value if you know where to look. Is it? For example, like you can Zillow is not the best place to get valuations, but if I went and I looked at a house on Zillow. 90% of the time, the price is going to be correct. Right. Because of the houses around it. Because the houses sure. around it and the algorithm is but so now sophisticated. Piece of land out in the middle of nowhere. Very difficult to I mean, come. How do you do that? That was what I was really There's good no at. market analysis on the that was five ex- acres next door. That is exactly why I was really good at land because I, because I had so many properties, I set the market. I see. So it was one of those right. things. So it was like you're like monopolizing a market. Right. Um, <laughs> Legally. Legally, right. right. But so it was one of those things like in real estate, for example, you can go online and you can say like, okay, this house is worth, let's say on average, $300,000 in this neighborhood. So if I can buy that house for $225,000, if I got to do a little bit of fix up or whatever, hey, there's $75,000 worth of room for me to make profit in this thing. So if I hire a contractor and I hire a broker and I can put all these numbers into a spreadsheet because I know the valuation. Right. For a company like this, it's like, I don't know how to gauge the market. I don't know. There is no market. It, it's, it's, you got to it, invent your own market. You have to create a market. <laughs> so you have to grab all this attention from people. Yeah. So it's like, okay, like what are the what are the buzzwords or the marketing terms or how you know who are the people who are the who are the end users of right. this? Oh wait, okay. There's all these different types of end users. So which one are you going to market to? Which niche are you going to market to there in these go. ones? Right. Right. It's like okay, well you can start with this one, but it also could have helped this one. But it's like, who are you going to get in the very beginning of a young company? Who's going to be the best place for your your, your marketing dollars sure. to be spent? Right. Because you don't want to send it to Group C if Group A is going to be more willing to buy it than Group C. Yeah. So like thinking about all those different types of people that are would want to purchase the product. Yeah, and be open to spend their hard-earned cash on it. Exactly. Uh, based off the, the clinical studies, it's like, oh, yeah, we typically assist people that have X, Y, and Z conditions or feel Y, Y, X, whatever. And so it's like, oh, okay, so you need to go really deep into that market and and spend your marketing dollars in the beginning very, very efficiently. Mm. And then from there, then you can spread out. Right. Because then once you have like some repeat customers in that market and you're entrenched, now you got some good cash flow, you get some good results, your numbers are becoming more clear. So then it's like, oh, here now we're creating this little ecosystem, this little market that we can then build upon our knowledge here. Right now, I'm literally just kind of like, I understand, the, I know what product I want to build, I'm finding the manufacturer that I want to make it, we're getting the legal entity, all that kind of stuff put together. But 
from a market perspective of saturation, I'm throwing a dart in the dark. It's hard nowadays. It's hard. It's not three, eight, and thirteen anymore no. on the TV. No, you've got you're being bombarded. Everywhere. Your phone alone is bombarding you from five different angles. And that's the other thing. It's like the saturation of <clears throat> of other things that are like this or, yeah. uh, you know, all kinds of different things you're being bombarded with. So how do you make that message hit the target? Right. So those are other things that also are very foreign to me because with real estate, it's like if you're going to Zillow, you're looking at a map and you're like, I want to buy a property here. Yeah. And right. if you own that property, that per that person wants to buy it there. Very simple. Yeah. But in in the world of like products that are being advertised sure. on a social media site yeah. or you know other forms of advertising, at the end of the day, like you're being bombarded, like you said, by four hundred times a day. Everything. Five hundred times a day. Right. By a million different products of whatever you're searching for at that per certain right. time, whatever your algorithm has been you know hooked on. What's it going to do for you? Right. What's it, yeah, yeah. So like I talked to different marketing firms for this stuff, and they're just kind of like, oh yeah, we can do that. We're perfect, and blah blah blah. And you're just and you're just like, <laughs> right. you're just pitching me. I know, right? You know what totally. I mean? Like I think you're just. I've a, been pitched before, Sean. Ex exactly, exactly. You know. I've pitched before, actually. Right. So exactly. I know what you're doing. And, and so I just sit there. I'm just like, okay, like. What else do I need to know about these things, right? Yeah. Like, I just don't, this is so foreign to me. And so it's, it's exciting to learn the information. Yeah. But then I also, now I'm back to feeling like, am I making the right decision? Yeah. And all of a sudden, right. I'm just like, oh, shit. I've done a bunch of different you know, things in this real estate stuff. Sure. And I'm getting the same feelings that I had at the very beginning of that in this. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that feeling just never goes away. Yeah. Right? Sure. And uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. It's been interesting. And at the end of the day, there's still more from my own standpoint, personal research that I've got to do, but at the same time, like pushing all that stuff forward, more forward to when I get the results or when I, when I feel like, okay, I'm comfortable with what I believe this can do, then, then I feel like I'll have a, a really good path forward pretty quickly. Yeah. Hopefully sometime around right. spring next year. Yeah. And that takes me back to, you're really going to feel like you're giving back. Right. You know what I'm looking for is literally people that like in like a like a review or something like that or like an email they're just like wow like this really improved my life exactly and it's just right. one of those things where it's like yeah and like in in real estate transactions you're making whatever five sure. ten twenty whatever thousand yeah. dollars per transaction right. this one they're buying like something that maybe you made like five ten dollars in profit on but you're getting an addition maybe you're able to scale obviously I would want to scale it to like you're selling thousands sure. and thousands and thousands of right. these things. Um, but at the end of the day, you're also getting some additional things back, which is, wow, this really improved me, made me, you know, able to spend more time with my family, uh, to have, you know, more quality time in my life, whatever. That's no small thing. Exactly. Dude, that's huge. And then being able to basically put all those into a folder and be like, wow, look at all these people that have fucking helped. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, and I just feel like that would be, that's something that I've been very interested in, in trying to attain yeah. over like the last then that feeling will get addictive too. Right, exactly. And that's the other thing that I sit there and I'm just kind of like, I do have an addictive personality. Yeah, right, so, so I right, just sit there right. And then I think to myself, I'm like, okay, we, we do that. And then my brain goes How into... How else can I help? Then, I, then <laughs> exactly, my brain goes into the mode of like, oh, could I do some this and do this and do this? And right. then I'm like, slow the fuck down. What if you turn that into a, uh, a lollipop or something? Exactly, right. <laughs> All these different ideas start coming and then I, have to, then I have to reel myself back and be like, one step at a time. One step at a time. One step Let's at get time. the first step done first. Because it was like the same thing in, in real estate where it was like, before it was land flipping, you know, I, I, I would see all the advertisements for the courses of like, 
uh, buy and hold, turn it into a rental, long-term wealth. Sure, a, there's tons of those. Thousands of different strategies. <laughs> right. Right? And, and, you know, I'd read one, I'd get excited. I'd read another, I'd get excited. And you just read all these ones. But by, by the end of it, you're six months in and you haven't done anything. Right. So even for this, as I learn more and more and more about this kind of area, yeah. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, holy shit. Like, look yeah. at all these things. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, right. And then you get excited and you're like, hold on, just do one. Just right, do one right. and do the first one that kind of like you instinctually found. And uh, all of a sudden, all these different people that you're talking to have also been searching for. Do that first and then go from there. Yeah. Um, that way you just have a better foundation in that industry kind of thing. Right. So. How cool is that? Yeah. Oh, man. I think we talked about a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's my life in a handbag. <laughs> that's my life in a handbag. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming in today. Yeah, man. that was what a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, we yeah. kind of just put it together. I, I, I got in your voicemail last week, and all of a sudden I was like, shit, I don't know how long I'm going to be here in Salinas, but uh, I might as well just get this done. And then we were like, I'm free tonight. I was like, perfect. Let's might as well do it. Let's get this thing done and get have a done. good time. Right on. So, yeah. Again, thanks for coming in. I sure appreciate it. You I got anything you're pushing? Anything you're plugging? Or nope. Not, nothing this, really today. not at this just point. Kick ass. Yeah, it's just right literally on. just like sharing some you know good stories and then some information. And yeah. then hopefully, like I said, in maybe in six months, we'll have something have something that uh, somebody can tangibly use. But until then, we just use the information. They come back here and do another podcast. There we go. Tell us how it's working. Yeah, exactly. Kick ass. Tell your parents I said hi. I will. All right. Have a good Alrighty. Day. Thank you.